Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 278. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for the MCU Fan Awards for 2022, highlighting the very best and brightest from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the year before this one. But before we give out our awards, the coveted Modern Myth Media action figure, I'm bringing that back. Uh, before we get into that, I want to let you know about Fanshow Plus. That is a podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fanshow channel or Fanshow Plus on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there and subscribe. And on the latest episode of that show... You can hear me talk about John Bernthal returning as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, in Daredevil Born Again, as well as some recent comments from Disney CEO Bob Iger about Disney's continuing uh, continuing the evolution of their strategy and specifically how that pertains to Marvel and whether or not Marvel's making too many third and fourth films in a given franchise. So I break that down and much more over on Fanshow Plus, which you can find once again at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. And also make sure you're following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now let's hand out some awards. How you doing, Paul Herman? You know, awards are both frustrating and, uh, excuse the expression, awarding uh, sometimes. <laughs> and I got to tell you, every time we do these, I'm always like, ah, some, some, some of them are way easy. Yep. Some of them are pretty damn hard. Pretty damn hard. So they are. Th th this was no exception this year, Sean. No exception. It was not. And I, I got to say, I think it's, it's, I think it's, Pretty obvious point. It's a good thing when the decisions are difficult, sure. because if the decisions are not difficult, then that means you got like one good thing in each category, maybe. And so it, it definitely is great to have these very difficult choices, as intense as it may be, as frustrating as it may be. And I think that's now is as good with that in mind. Now is as good a time as any to point out that as you hear the list of nominees and the list of winners if that bums you out at all or it just makes you flat out angry a normal amount of rage that you feel because something you thought should have been nominated or won in a given category didn't in place of something else something you thought was more deserving understand that we probably agree with you and went through a lot of those same exercises in our own minds as we were figuring out what nominees there would be, and of course, what the eventual winners would be. That's just part of the process. But I do think ultimately, it is a very, very good problem to have to be to have these difficult choices when you're going to decide not that any of the world outside of us here on the podcast and those of you listening, nobody else cares about the MCU fan award or the Modern Myth Media action figure. That's our Oscar that we don't really hand out because it's just totally figurative. It's just totally imaginary. It doesn't actually exist. We can't afford to produce action figures, much less find ways to distribute them to the actual winners of these awards. That's just what we called the awards when we had the Modern Myth Media podcast and the Modern Myth Media awards that this all kind of spun out from to get uh, the MCU fan show and now the MCU 
Fan Awards. We obviously did this for everything in 2021, and now we are highlighting everything from 2022 at the same time of year, at least in terms of the same time in awards season, because I know last year it was in February. Now we're recording this just like we did last year. Uh, We're recording this while the Oscars are happening. So as the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is handing out its Oscars in Hollywood right now, we are handing, at least at the time of recording, probably no longer by the time you're listening to this, we'll see how long their show goes tonight, but the while that's happening, we're recording this podcast, handing out the awards, and we are, of course, the Academy of Modern Mythological Arts and Sciences, and you, our dear listeners, our members, especially those of you who are premium subscribers for Fanshow Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, because you got to vote over on our Patreon for the nominees that you thought should win, and so you really did have, our dear listeners, you had a real impact on the ballot, and we even gave you a little extra weight on the ballot this year compared to last year, because last year you may have noticed that we had some ties, and well, while that's fun and it's an opportunity to recognize even more winners in the spirit of friendly competition, we don't we didn't want to have ties anymore. So you, our dear listeners, got to be the tie breaker. It was our listener ballot that would carry over. So in the event that there was a tie in a given category across all of the ballots from the modern mythological arts and sciences, the tiebreaker would be the highest ranking nominee on the listener ballot. So you definitely had an impact and uh, we're a deciding factor in a number of the winners uh, that will be unveiled during this podcast. So really, this is all about having fun. And part of the reason, by, by the way, that we don't do this at the very end of the year, as I've mentioned on the show before, we kind of like to have some time to sit with these movies for a while, especially after they are around and available at home, like Black Panther Wakanda Forever was starting February, I think, what was that, February 8th or something like that. So we like to sit with them a little while longer before we start handing out these awards. But all of that time has passed. The nominees were decided. The winners have been decided. So now it's time to start making some announcements. Although I, I guess before we go any further, I know there, because as I said, the Oscars are happening now as we're recording this. Angela Bassett did not win for Best Supporting Actress. I would argue that she should have, but our congratulations to Jamie Lee Curtis for winning anyway for everything, everywhere, all at once. But yeah, a bummer for Angela Bassett to not win an Oscar. She may win an action, a figurative, imaginary action figure at some point during this podcast. Not that she'll ever know that. And also, uh, congratulations to Ruth E. Carter for winning an Oscar for Best Costume Design for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, an Oscar she also won for the first film, uh, the original Black Panther film in 2008. That Oscar ceremony, of course, held in 2019. But now, finally, without further ado, uh, well, real quick, one last thing, Paul. Did you dress up for today's award show? I uh, sadly, I did not. I am just wearing my normal black sweatshirt and a baseball hat. Fair enough. I, 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 I did wear a tux, but two things about me is that, you know, I'm a sloppily dressed liar. So uh, we will go <laughs> ahead and we will carry on with our award show. We begin, though, we like to begin the MCU Fan Awards with the end by recognizing the best tag. That is the best mid or post credit scene 
that we saw in 2022 from an MCU feature film, special presentation, or a series. So the nominees for best tag are Jake Lockley from Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 6, Kamala and Carol Trade Places from Miss Marvel Season 1, Episode 6, Hercules from Thor Love and Thunder, Captain America from She-Hulk Season 1, Episode 1, and Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So this was a, a pretty strong win, not super close. Although I would have to say this was pretty close for me. I did actually, I also voted for Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa in the top spot. Second place for me was Kamala and Carol trading places in Miss Marvel, which was maybe the most exciting uh, post credit scene or the most exciting tag for me. But this one was just very special. And, and I thought just the perfect emotional touch and way to end uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. So it, it, this one really was tough to beat. And on my ballot, it ultimately proved to be impossible to beat. Um, our fans, our, our listeners felt the same way on their ballot. So I, I definitely think this is a deserving winner. And Paul, I know you didn't have this uh, in the top spot, but it was right there in second place. So I don't, I don't think you're going to have uh, too much of a hard time with no, this winner. No, no, no. Th- and this one, uh, I picked the, the Captain America, you know what, uh, uh, was my favorite tag. Just Which personally, was outrageous and ho- like just totally hilarious. So like I, I can't, right, I can't yeah, argue yeah. with that yeah. either. But yeah, but at the same time, and this was a tough one because I legitimately was surprised at this tag reveal. And for someone like me to be surprised at something and at, with these movies being, you know, reading the comics as much as I do, it's, you know, that says something. So I was, I was very taken aback a little bit, to be honest, by that reveal, but ultimately just being a Captain America fan that I am, I just, I couldn't. And, and, I, and me loving the She-Hulk series, I just, I had to, to just go with that, but that was, it was tough. It was almost a coin flip at that point, but yes, I, I have no problems with the, with the Tosin um, reveal. I think when you look at the nominees on this list, four of them kind of do the similar thing of getting you excited about what's next. Um, well, actually, I should say three of them get you excited about what's next in the, the Jake Lockley of what's next for Moon Knight. Also, you know, recontextualizing some of what you saw throughout the series. Kamala and Carol obviously setting you up for the Marvels. Hercules getting you set up for whenever Thor is going to show up again in the MCU and, and Hercules presumably to follow. But Captain America was that was just for fun. Like that's all that was with uh, She-Hulk, which that also is part of MCU you know, tag strategy. It, it's been employed before, but Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, was so different in that it wasn't necessarily just about having a bit of fun. It wasn't really, uh, and it was. I don't really think it was mainly about teasing the future of the MCU or anything like that. It was just putting one finishing touch on the emotional catharsis that was Black Panther or Wakanda forever. So it was doing something different than we typically see from MCU mid or post credit scenes. And it did it so beautifully and, and really stood out. And that is why among the many reasons why it is a deserving winner. Let's continue on with the real MVP. So this goes to the MCU stars who make an impact with minimal amounts of screen time And it could be because they make us laugh, they could make us cry, they could inspire us. 
who really knows? Anything can be anything uh, with this real MVP award. It really is just about the impact that they make. And the nominees are uh, Laith Nakli as Sheikh Abdullah from Miss Marvel, Bruce Campbell as Pizza Papa, who always gets paid in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Daley Pearson as Daredevil in Thor Love and Thunder, Patty Guggenheim as Madison with a Y, but it's not where you think in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Rhett Miller as Beezer McTakalak in the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And the action figure goes to Patty Guggenheim as Madison with a Y, but it's not where you think, and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And I am very pleased with this victory. It was at the, Patty Guggenheim was at the top of my ballot, also at the top of our listener ballot. So good on our listeners, because I think Mm. she really captures the spirit of the real MVP award with what she did as Madison in the fourth episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Absolutely hilarious. But there were other ones. I think if if Daryl had a bigger role, like I was just so excited to see Daly Pearson as Daredevil from the Thor and Daryl shorts um, that Marvel had put out. To see him back in New Asgard and Thor Love and Thunder was great. Obviously, a Bruce Campbell cameo in the MCU was fantastic. Also, also I thought Leith Nakli as, as Sheikh Abdullah got some really great lines and got, you know, is a key part of a moment uh, that is also nominated uh, later on in this show. So, and look, Rhett Miller as the lead singer of the old 97s is Beezer McTakalak and his musical presentation that we saw at the beginning and end of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. These were all great choices. This was a an even yeah. more competitive field for this award this year. And I, I absolutely loved it. But I just kind of had the feeling as soon as I saw the fourth, the fourth episode of She-Hulk that it, uh, Patty Guggenheim was going to be really tough to beat. And turns out she was nobody could beat Madison with a Y. I, di- I didn't think she was going to lose, to be honest. I thought she was going to win, but I couldn't go against my boy Bruce. I can't. I just can't. I just love Bruce too much. So I always got to vote for Bruce. So Pizza yeah. Guy was my number one. That's uh, that's totally fair. Pizza Papa, by the way. And uh, Oh, Pizza Papa. Sorry, yeah. Pizza Guy, Pizza Papa. Same difference. Yep. Same difference. As long as he always <laughs> gets difference. paid. Next, exactly. we go to Rookie of the Year. So looking at the people who made the best MCU debut in 2022. See how long I can keep that rhyming scheme going. Let's get to our nominees. They are Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash Moon Knight slash Mr. Knight slash Jake Lockley in Moon Knight, Sochi Gomez as America Chavez in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan slash Miss Marvel in Miss Marvel, Tatiana Maslani as Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Tenoch Huerta as Namor or Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the action figure goes to Tenoch Huerta as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, This was, uh, when we talk about tough choices, Paul, this was the first one for me where I really had a tough time amongst a few of these nominees because really they all had successful debuts as their respective characters, especially when we look at the Disney Plus series. Like Oscar Isaac nailed it with his performance in Moon Knight and performances in Moon Knight. Iman Vellani was right there as doing everything she just perfectly capturing the spirit of Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel. Tatiana Maslany was incredibly endearing and hilarious as Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk. So there's not really any fault to find 
in any of these performances. And I know yeah. our listeners, they chose uh, Oscar Isaac was their preferred rookie of the year for the MCU. But also Tenoch Huerta was right there in second place on their ballot. Tenoch Huerta was at the top of your ballot and mine, mm-hmm. Paul. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's just where it, it just came down to, I think for me, all the performances were great. So then it just yes. came into the idea of the rookie of the year. And in our unofficial sports podcast and everything that we talk about, you know, you, you think about a rookie in terms of what they did in their first season, but also mm-hmm. what that means projecting them forward as their right. career progresses. And that mm-hmm. was kind of where I started narrowing it down to Tenoch Huerta and Aman Vellani. And it became, it, I whittled it down to those two. And at that point, it was really, really tough because I, I think, obviously, I thought very highly of Iman Vellani and her performance, and I'm very excited about seeing her reprising her role in the Marvels. But now we think about Namor and his future in the MCU, a very big Avengers future in the MCU, not that Miss Marvel won't be there or She-Hulk can't be there or anyone else, but I, I think it's just... It was just having a performance that was just a notch above everything else. Nothing wrong with the other performances, just mm-hmm. another level that Tenoch Huerta was able to bring as Namor, but then also projecting forward and, and just how big of a future this character can have in the MCU. I think always would have had, but maybe, or always had a chance to have, but even more likely now, and a character that I think Marvel may want to lean into even more than they already thought they were going to just based on the strength of this performance and the way mm-hmm. audiences have responded to it. Yeah, the the thing with this is, is right. It was this was really tough because I I liked all these performances. And for those who who listen to the show for a long time will know that Moon Knight's one of my favorite comic characters and Moon Knight show has been not my favorite thing. Oscar Isaac was definitely this I think the strength of the show um you know and everything and I I I love all his performances, but the, the, the crazy thing about no pun intended, obviously, um, about his performances is that it felt, they all felt like in line in their, in their doing their own thing. But with, with Namor, it just, now was my top choice. I think because the series or the movie itself was such a strong movie, it just amplifies that performance. And I don't, and I think that for me, the Moon Knight series is so inconsistent that even though Oscar Isaac was given us a level, you know, everything, it just didn't resonate with me as much as Namor did. And I love Namor. I don't love him as much as Moon Knight as a character overall. But man, like Schwarza, just he embodied that character, made it his own. And really, I thought did a phenomenal job of of you know embodying what makes that character so unique. And after again, I'm so glad I rewatched Wakanda Forever when I was sick last week because when I watched that performance again, it never it never it always amazes me that how he takes that this really really complex character. And I'm not saying Spectre isn't complex or his, obviously it's really very complex. You know, with the whole disorder that he has, but with with Namor, it's 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 so specific. And there, it's a fine line you have to play him. And I think Schwartz does such a, a phenomenal job of making him menacing, villainous, empathetic. Uh, you you understand his reasoning. And not in the very, like, sympathetic way of, like, oh, you're a supervillain. I feel sorry for you. These bad things happen. Like, no, no, no. Like, N- Namor does, like, some bad things happen, but, but he also does bad things. And but there's also again they're not they're not things you want to agree with but you kind of understand his reasoning and I think that to me 
there's a lot that's in the writing, but it's also in the way you portray the character. And there's, there is an elegance in that, in that moment where, or the scene where uh, Shuri and, and Namor are talking in the cave and he's trying to explain to her. That is such an underrated scene in my opinion, where he's like, he's both trying to be loving. He's trying to give like to her. He's, tr he's trying to basically talk to her level, right? To, as far as like, we're one, one Royal person to another, Let's talk to each other and, and they'll explain what's going on. And I think that that he goes from both, you know, loving, understanding to like villainous and all in the same scene without hamming it up. It's it's really impressive. And I think people don't talk about it enough, to be honest. That's I, a I think great point. Like his it's, performance it's there and his line delivery. I don't know that I've ever seen an actor be mm -hmm. genuinely respectful and threatening at the same time. Like mm -hmm. he genuinely respects and cares for Shuri and the people of Wakanda. Like he, that does matter to him, but it's also his priorities are what they are. And yep. if Wakanda proves itself to be more of an obstacle or, or not a definitive ally in the way he defines an ally, yeah. there he's are consequences like, to that. And he's, he's yeah. sincere about that at the same time. Like it's crazy. It, it's an incredible balance for so an actor. Cause usually one or the other is going to shine through. You know, one is going to take away from the other. So if he's if he's amplifying how threatening he's being, then he start then all the respect he shows comes across as disingenuous. Or if he plays into the respect and, and some of the compassion that he displays, then the threat level goes away. He's no longer imposing or intimidating. Both were happening equally well at the same time, and that is the strength of his performance, which I, I think, you know, among the strengths of his performance, which is why, uh, yeah, he's yeah, he, he's he got won. his first award. He's also nominated later on this evening, but or whatever time it is so when you're listening to this. Love but, him. Love him. Yeah, just uh, fantastic work and a, a deserving Rookie of the Year, and, and glad we, we celebrate his addition to the MCU, but all of these actors who did fantastic jobs playing their respective characters. Speaking of new characters in the MCU, we also want to highlight the best new character design in the MCU, and the nominees are Moon Knight in Moon Knight, Miss Marvel in Miss Marvel, Hercules in Thor Love and Thunder, the Mighty Thor in Thor Love and Thunder, and Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the action figure goes to... Moon Knight in Moon Knight. And to specify, this is Moon Knight, not Mr. Knight, which also could have been nominated. And I know people wondering maybe why it wasn't. I think the reason why is because, well, we already had a version of the character nominated. But the other piece is that Moon Knight, and now they did do a really great job adding some different texture and patterns to the suit, but it's also just lifted directly from the comic book. And while mm -hmm. I think the... The design that we have for, or that's for Mr. Knight. For Moon Knight, however, yes, it's very true to the spirit of the comic book, but I also think it had to add a little bit more of its own original pieces uh, to make it work uh, as yeah. well as it did. And so that's where it, it was a little elevated on my list. It wasn't my top choice. My top choice was uh, Namor from Wakanda Forever, but Moon Knight was the top choice on every other ballot except mine. So I, I can't fault it. And also, I love that design, which, as Oscar Isaac was right to praise during the Marvel Studios Assembled episode for Moon Knight, Ryan Minerding was, of course, head of visual development at Marvel Studios, uh, was really key in, in unlocking that design. And, and it was fantastic. I mean, yes, Moon Knight 
has some of its issues, but also I'm not taking anything away from all the glowing things that uh, that we said about it in our spoiler reviews. We still liked a lot of the series, and I know I still loved a lot of the series. One of the things that was uh, was among the the biggest success stories of uh, of the series was the <laughs> costume, which is why one of the knocks on the series was yep. not seeing enough of this damn costume because it was so yeah. good and a deserving winner. Yeah, listen, I as a Moon Knight nut of the comic books and 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 being a little more critical of the series, I still like the series, but I again I don't want to go too too far on that. I I think the suit was incredible. That was my number one pick and. The reason why is because they adapted, I think, a, a beautifully looking costume, added that extra touch of that mummified like tone to it, which was is totally something they they incorporated, which fits perfectly with which is just it's it's so crazy how genius that was that I I I have the the bat I call it the bathtub figure, the 12 inch figure hanging out with me right now. I I love that figure so much. Um, it just looks great, and you know it's. It is, I think, one of the best interpretations of, of costumes like, ever in the MCU. It's so good. And yes, I wish that we had more of it in the in the series. And hopefully, whenever he whenever he shows up next, Sean, hopefully we get way more Moon Knight in Moon Knight series. Um, but yes, Namor was my second choice. He was a I mean, no, it's not hard. You could you definitely could ruin green trunks and winged feet. You could very easily. But the I think the 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 additions they added right. to the character, the Aztec culture, um, was a nice nice touch, obviously, and it really added to I think the character. And, and again, when you watch them the other day, it's just like oh, it's so perfect. It's, it's so good. So yeah, I I love that. That was my number two choice, but not the again not the most uh, hardest thing to get. But yeah, Moon Knight was my number one. Yeah, for me with Namor, it was the the Yucatec Mayan like additions to it, and just adding so many other pieces and, and layers to it, and also just engrossing it deeper into like the MCU mythology at the same time. Like when he's talk when they're talking about vibranium, and Ramonda somehow well Wakanda is the only place that has it, and Shuri points out he's covered in it. Like all of those additions to it as well, I, I thought just made it really elevated that design for me. But I it's and also, I, I want to give a, a shout out to the the Miss Marvel design, which was another one that was just spot on from the comic books. I mean, a perfect representation of it that did have some alterations uh, as it was being adapted from page to screen. And all of those alterations, I thought, worked very, very well. But yes, Moon Knight is a, a deserving winner. Now let's highlight the best character redesign. So characters that already existed who got an updated look in the MCU. I know Jane Foster already existed, by the way, in the uh, in, in the MCU with the Mighty Thor, but she was never any sort of superhero in the MCU until she became the Mighty Thor, which is why that counted as a new design for best character redesign. The nominees are Dead Strange from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the Scarlet Witch from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Odinson from Thor Love and Thunder, Daredevil from She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Black Panther from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to Daredevil from She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which uh, was first on your ballot, Paul, which I think you also helped speak for slash with the listeners on this one. So Daredevil, the ketchup and mustard costume was also topping on their list. Why was it number one on yours? 
Well, I mean, as a as a hardcore Daredevil fan, I have an affinity for the the original, you know, ketchup and mustard costume. And um, to be quite honest, it looked incredible. I mean, there was having Charlie Cox come back in that suit just felt right. And I thought it was a perfect uh, one for one translation from the Netflix shows to that. It just felt so perfect. It looked like a perfect translation. Again, the MCU has done a phenomenal job of adapting costumes for the most part, for the most part. And that was no exception. It looked great. It was just great to see. It was great for them to acknowledge it. And I think the perfect show to do it. And so as a costume nut that I am, this was another tough one because I loved most of these. And, you know, I mean, I I struggled with I I put Scarlet Witch as my second. I love that. I loved her design um, in Multiverse of Madness. And I loved Black Panther. I mean, I was again, we watched Black Panther. and I'm like, I love this Black Panther. Panther design so much. It's like it's so good. Like they're, they're they are so good at designing costumes and and taking these, you know, these things that are really ridiculous from the comic books and really making them make sense and work in you know in in the uh, in the films in real life. And obviously, a lot of it's CGI, but the designs are so practical and they look so sleek and cool that no one really cares. And no, and for those who are in the dark ages of, of superhero uh, movies before the MCU and, and X-Men and all that stuff, or even during the X-Men time when X-Men first came out, it had to be grounded in reality, it had to be black leather matrix and all that crap, you know? And, and now you look at this, it's like everything is, I mean, again, it goes without saying obviously, but seeing all these designs out there that are so, I mean, Marvel has done a great job of really like pioneering that like yeah costumes are ridiculous but they look freaking rad and you can make them look work in the real life they don't look cheesy and like even looking at the costumes from you know the last 10 years of the mcu since or, or whatever the 12 years whatever it's been um you know since iron man you know and yeah. on coming up like, on 15 not, in may i know uh, good good god we it's try to round down to make ourselves feel good. better oh but yeah god, we're, we're coming so up good. on 15 but but yeah but all of that to say that None of those costumes have like really out been outdated still. I mean, Iron Man still looks good. I mean, like they all they are they they have for the most part, I mean not everything, for the most part, I'd say 80% of their costumes have all aged pretty damn well. I think and the that ones says that the, don't work now are ones that didn't necessarily work all that well at the time. Yeah, I, I exactly. Think, I think yeah, the yeah. ones that have worked have kept working. And yeah. uh, as as far as my choices on this award, I gave a, a slight edge to Black Panther from Wakanda Forever, but honestly, I, I have no problem with Daredevil winning this. I really like all of these designs. I also think that the Thor design from Love and Thunder kind of gets knocked because maybe not everybody loves the movie as much as I do, but I really like that design with the blue and gold armor. Maybe if there was a little more helmet time, it could have fared a little bit better. Yeah, uh, exactly. This, uh, yeah, more you know, helmet time. Yeah, if, if the helmet wasn't there for just like two seconds and then gone, then, then maybe it, it would have fared better in, in this. But I don't really think there was any beating Daredevil. And look, the design worked better than I ever thought it would as, as far as going ketchup and mustard and whatever. I, I thought that it looked fantastic. And and I know the shape of the costume is is largely what we saw in the Netflix series, but having it work with the new color scheme and what and the other little modifications they made to it, um, it just it, it just worked. And, and look, it is kind of a, a celebration of, yeah, it was nice to see Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home as a really good lawyer. 
but we want to see Daredevil in the MCU, and we finally got to see it, and he looked like a million bucks. Um, didn't cost a million bucks. She-Hulk cost a million bucks. Daredevil did not cost a million bucks uh, in that series, but I, I love that redesign and really have no problem seeing that take home the uh, coveted modern myth media action figure. Now let's talk about the best supporting antagonist. So not necessarily the main villain in an MCU story, but still providing uh, sufficient obstacles for our heroes. The nominees for best supporting antagonist are Benedict Cumberbatch as Sinister Strange in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Chiwetel Ejiofor as Mordo in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Jamila Jamil as Titania in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Alex Livinali as Atuma in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Mabel Cadena as Namora in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to... Benedict Cumberbatch as Sinister Strange in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a unanimous choice across all ballots. And I can't really, I really can't argue with this one because, well, how could I? He was all, across, number one on all ballots includes mine. So why would I argue with myself? Although I think you all know I've actually have done that on the show. But yes, <laughs> he was great. And we've never seen this. We've never really seen the lead hero and lead actor of an MCU story have to be an antagonist against themselves. Usually it's like a figurative way, a character making choices, being in their own way in that sense, not like literally having a music note fight with themselves in a movie. So freaking good. And so, yes, Benedict Cumberbatch was just incredible as Sinister Strange. I do want to highlight Jamila Jamil as Titania. Yeah, so good. Who I, I think if... She had been, would have been nominated as a lead antagonist if She-Hulk Attorney at Law had a lead antagonist, but it ultimately didn't. Yeah, that's fair. But in that supporting space, she was fantastic. Just unfortunately for Jamila Jamil, just happened to have her performance fall in a year where Benedict Cumberbatch was fighting himself. And that is, that's very tough to beat. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was just so good as Sinister Strange. I know... Obviously, there are things, uh, a lot of things about Multiverse of Madness that I'm not a huge fan of, but Sinister Strange is on the list of things I did enjoy in that movie. And so, yes, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, I think a a more than deserving victor here for Best Supporting Antagonist. Yeah, this one wasn't like the hardest thing because I I saw that and went, oh, it's strange, uh, without a doubt. But yeah, Titania, I I thought you you summed it up perfectly. If they would actually given you... Um, or given us, I should say, given us a little more of Titania, like as the actual lead villain, it would have made more sense, which I'm hoping that there's some there. There's going to be more She-Hulk stuff like with her and like the whole there's going to be more explanation uh, eventually with them, hopefully. So I'm hoping that does get a little more fleshed out and maybe a little more retconned a little bit, if you will. I think it will, to be honest. But um, I, I definitely want to bring up Atuma, uh, Atuma whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Again, not, not my best pronunciations that we all know. Uh, but I want to stay up for later. But I just want to make sure, I want to just mark it right here that I it sucks because he, I thought he was phenomenal in, in Wakanda he Forever. Was. And like, we don't, like he's, I feel like he's an unsung hero of that movie a little bit. Like, he kind of is like Namor's like voice without being like without Namor having to be evil kind of a thing. 
So it's like he really helps emphasize, I think, kind of uh, what's, how am I trying to explain this? He's he basically echoes and, and follows through what Namor represents without making Namor be worse than he is with him being there. Right. Like that's the that's the cool thing about that character. And, and Namor is the same thing. And also you know, worth mentioning, too is that those two eventually do become enemies of Namor. So I thought that was also interesting that like they're, they're, they're loyal to Namor, but I'm Which like, they did set up with Namora questioning. Yeah, Namor right. Right. At right. The right. End of that movie. So it's right. It's there. Um, they both, and they both are great by the way. They both do a absolutely. great job of, 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 I think following through and, and really emphasizing Namor. And so that way when he is on screen, it's a big deal because his henchmen are so, his, or his, I wouldn't say henchman. Here's like his number two, one, two, and three underneath him are like super, like powerful, and they they don't mess. You can't mess with them. You know what I mean? Like they're legit. So yeah, super. I love I love those characters a lot. Yeah, and no, this was a a very very strong category across the board, and you know, and just. Yeah, that they had to go up against Cumberbatch, which is tough because yeah, he's, he's Cumberbatch. <laughs> like yeah. they, they all just got Cumberbatch, unfortunately. But uh, well, fortunately that we got all of these performances in uh, in the MCU. Now let's talk about the best surprise reveal from the MCU in 2022. The nominees are the Psychiatric Hospital from Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 4, the Illuminati from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, KEVIN from She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And Mantis is Peter Quill's sister in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And the action figure goes to, that's it's a twofer, Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So it won for best tag as well as best surprise reveal. And it's just that good of a moment that I have no issues with that. And just the way that surprise kind of played out with the mid credit scene, I can't say that when I saw uh, Toussaint, the kid, uh, when I saw him earlier in the movie, I was like, oh, that's going to be T'Challa's son. Nope, I uh, did not have that there. As soon as, uh, of course, Nakia was walking him over to Shuri, I was like, okay, then this is going to be T'Challa's, uh, T'Challa and Nakia's son. Uh, that makes sense, but... Just uh, it, it was amazing. And the way they, they played it all out was uh, it, it was absolutely perfect. I think that uh, the psychiatric hospital, I really do like it with the way it was done in Moon Knight because they had done a good enough job in the first three episodes to kind of already making me forget about clips from a psychiatric hospital later on in the series, knowing that was coming. And yet the way that it was revealed and I know the psychiatric hospital wasn't really as literal of a reveal as maybe it seemed, but it still was a, a big change of direction uh, midway through the series that I thought was really effective. And so it was a great surprise. Mantis being Peter's sister, I think because it already felt like even if they didn't have a biological connection, there was still some sort of emotional, spiritual, uh, symbolic kind of sibling dynamic there between the two of them, or at least the potential for that was there. So it wasn't as surprising of a reveal, but it was still very sweet. And the way they played it out in the Guardians of the Galaxy spe holiday special was very good. Um, K-E-V-I-N, I don't love the She-Hulk Attorney at Law finale, but the reveal of K-E-V-I-N uh, was still pretty cool because I was wondering what exactly is going to be standing in for Kevin Feige because I did not think that uh, the Jennifer Walters or She-Hulk, that they were just going to open a door and Feige was going to be there talking to her 
in an MCU series. I, I figured he probably wouldn't do that. So how are they going to get around this? Um, no, they didn't hire an actor. And I, I also like kind of the Marvel leaning into the way people kind of talk about them a, a little bit as if it's all just formula and, and algorithm, although maybe the show was saying that's true. I don't know. What, I'm not even entirely sure exactly what point the She-Hulk attorney, or I, I do know, I just kind of disagree with a lot of it. Um, but still, the KEVIN reveal was solid and kind of represents overall that fourth wall break um, from She-Hulk, which for the record, I like all of that. I just felt like they should have also ended the story that was happening um, on the traditional side of the fourth wall. That should have also been buttoned up in a way, <laughs> instead of just red, you know, drawing red lines through the things that shouldn't be part of the story, okay, well then finish the story with the elements that you keep. Uh, I, I wish they had done that. But anyway, I, uh, I digress. The Illuminati, I still felt was fine being nominated because they, like Reed Richards, for example, being part of it. Yeah. However... This could have been a winner here and would have been a much stronger contender had they not revealed so much yes, of it in, in the, the marketing. So it still yeah. had enough surprises in it, like Black Bolt and Reed Richards, to make it worthy for a nomination. But there's no way I could have it win. Well, it would have won if that's how the voting broke out, but that's not what happened. And the reason it didn't happen is because so, uh, even though there was some good surprise left, so much of the surprise was spoiled by Marvel's own marketing of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So please, 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 not that anybody from Marvel is listening to this podcast, but in the off chance that any of them are, because they just feel like winning some awards for once, please don't do that again. Just don't do that Seriously. again. Uh, and we will all be so completely uh, grateful for that. But in the meantime, a, a surprise that was not spoiled in the marketing of the movie, Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, um, was just a, a beautiful, sweet, emotional surprise. Yeah, and just to put a button on this, I, I this was a big surprise for me. I really enjoyed it. It was tough to choose between this and Mantis, you know, being yeah. Peter's sister. I should also I, add, this was a unanimous choice for uh, for first place, like yeah. uh, Cumberbatch's Sinister Strange. Yeah, so I mean, it, listen, the Mantis thing was cute, and it, it made sense, you know, in hindsight. But I the the. You know, the Teen T'Challa, Prince T'Challa, you know, thing was completely out of left field, which is really cool. Which, again, for a comic book guy like me who kind of sees a lot of this stuff coming, it was a great surprise. So I'm all about that. Yeah, I uh, I, I loved it. And yeah, some of these reveals, I said, the Illuminati one just will always kind of stick out. And, and that should be the one that an example that gets put on the wall of, for Marvel to mm -hmm. say, don't do this in the marketing yep. for their movies. And, and hopefully yep. that will, that will hold up. Feige did say they show too much of the movie in the trailer. So hopefully, you know, he, he, he leads the charge in, in changing that. Cause Hey, he is the one in charge over there at, uh, at mm -hmm. Marvel studios. Now it is time for mm. a time honored tradition that dates mm. back to the modern myth media awards. Mm. It is time for the prestigious mm. Paul Herman squeal award. Mm. Now this mm -hmm. is uh, dedicate. This is decided on the nominees and winner are decided by a special panel of one within the <laughs> Academy of Modern Mythological Arts and Sciences. I'll give you two guesses as to which one uh, that is who gets to decide it. Yes. I will read the nominees and then uh, Paul, I will let you do the honors 
in announcing the winner of the action figure for the Paul Herman Squeal Mm. Award, which maybe, if they care, you could send them the Moon Knight Scuba Steve bathtub action figure um, and then just get yourself another one. But anyway, the nominees for the Paul Herman Squeal Award are... The Illuminati from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which mm. I think you... We can already spoil that that probably won't win. Uh, Mutation mm. from Miss Marvel, mm. Season 1, oh, yes. Episode 6. Hercules from Thor, Love and mm. Thunder. Man-Thing from Werewolf mm. by Night. And in Yucatec Mayan, Imperious Rex from Black Panther, <sighs> Wakanda Forever. Paul, to whom does the action figure go? So the Secret Wars Iron Man action figure will go to, and this was tough, by the way. Imperius Rex almost won. I was just like, man, I love, I love this so much. But ultimately, I, I was, I probably squealed the most over Man Thing, because, and, and you got to remind me because I, I totally forgot about Man Thing because I, I thought, you know, I was going into like phases like we were talking about earlier, you know, and I thought, oh, it's going to go to probably the quantum media. I'm like, oh, wait, that's this yeah. year. Duh. Paul was ready uh, to, to jump the gun into next year and, and talk about the yeah, Council of Kings. And I was like, yeah, not eligible not, for not 2022. Eligible. Not eligible. No. And but I thought about it after you can we, we talked about it for a second. I'm like, you know what? Man thing is definitely I love man thing. I thought he wasn't he was awesome. And I, they, they need to be putting him in more stuff immediately because th- their interpretation was not only I think interesting and I think a little more unique and I liked it better than the comics. Uh, he also looked pound for pound exactly like he does the comics. So he I acted mean, different, which I'm fine with, but he looked exactly the same, <laughs> exactly. Right. But that's also part of the appeal, and I would imagine part yeah. of the squeal is like yes. there was no need to change it from the comic book. No he, notes. You're not talking about how do we make this so it looks real when a person is wearing it. Granted, I'm sure there's some, you know, guy in a suit doing a a, a certain portion of it, but it's not the same thing as as trying to represent, um, you know, a a human being or I mean, there is still a human being underneath all of that. But again, it's not quite the same as like a Captain America costume or something like that. So just it's a monster. Go ahead and play it as that. And they didn't really change uh, a thing and, and we're just nope. true to what the character looks like yep. from the source material. And they totally nailed it. In- incredible. So, yeah. yeah I love it. I'm not surprised at all to see that uh, be, win the award. And I just can't wait to see what wins. Although you already know the very early favorite for the next time we do this uh, with the council of Kangs, the, uh, the, the squeal bar. It's still early. Yeah, it's, it's still, still early, early but the, the bar's been set pretty high. Uh, that's it's fair. That's, that, that's, fair. that's about as high of a bar that's been set right out the gate that I, I think we may have ever seen. But we will see. There's uh, there's a lot more of the MCU left uh, in this year. So we, we'll see what happens. But anyway, 2022 Squeal Award winner, Man Thing from Werewolf by Night. Now let's decide, or announce rather, it's been decided, the best original score from the MCU in 2022. The nominees are... Uh, Moon Knight by Hisham Nazi, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness by Danny Elfman, Miss Marvel by Laura Cartman, Werewolf by Night by Michael Giacchino, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever by Ludwig Göransson. And the action figure goes to Black Panther Wakanda Forever by Ludwig Göransson. And I, uh, I, I totally agree with this winner, and I know you do as well, Paul. So do our listeners. I don't think we'll get a lot of uh, a lot of argument on this one. It wasn't unanimous, but still uh, first on most ballots, and rightfully so. That Wakanda Forever score just absolutely 
amazes me. And I think it did things that uh, it didn't fall into the traps that a sequel score can fall into, which is mm-hmm. rehash. You, you can well, you can go too far in in either direction. You mm-hmm. can completely dismiss what worked before because you don't want to repeat yourself. Um, or you can repeat yourself too much because you already know that that works. Not that anybody would have anticipated that from Oscar winner for the first movie, Ludwig Göransson, but I, I think there were new challenges to to have here with Talokan and uh, Namor and the way he responded to those with this score and also added um, even more dimension to what he was doing for Wakanda. So many more elements being brought into this score that allowed it to maintain what was beautiful the the first time around, some of those uh, amazing themes, while also adding so many new layers to it and creating a whole new sound for a whole other civilization that we were introduced to in the MCU in this one. There just weren't... These other scores, the other nominees, were all outstanding at doing what they were doing. There's just none of them that were doing as many things as this one had to do, and it was doing all of them really, really well. So that's why Wakanda Forever... Uh, wasn't as as happy as I was with all these other scores. Wakanda Forever was an easy choice for me uh, for the best original score. Yeah, Ludwig, his score was incredible, and I he he pretty much anything he does is, is great. And I I'm amazed that a bum because he's not on the Mandalorian season three. Uh, you know, which I, I totally get. He's just doing more stuff, more important Too things. Too busy. Even, yeah. And, you know, and, and Wakanda Forever really does. And he obviously collaborated with a lot of different people on that one, too, that I just love. That it just sounds rich, man. And there's just, yeah, there's good really, time to shout really, out. Definitely worth, especially this will uh, lead us into original song as well. If you're not watching the Voices Rising music of Wakanda Forever series on Disney Plus, watch it. It's outstanding. And you will see just how many collaborators uh, Ludwig Gordonson brought to the table to produce uh to compose this score but then also produce an amazing soundtrack yeah i i just i you can just hear all the different uh influences and, and people on the and usually when you do that there's too many cooks in the kitchen usually a lot with music i mean with any kind of collaboration that you're going to have that problem but as being a musician that i am like i could totally understand like it could go either way really and it could go badly really really you know and just be a mess um ludwig obviously has a clear vision he's a great you can tell he knows how to collaborate with people and incorporate different sounds and textures uh while all the i don't same know if time, i've ever seen anyone who clearly loves what they do as much as he obviously does and like mm-hmm, the amount mm-hmm. of respect and love that he shows or, i mean the care that he puts into his own work but the love and respect and care that he shows towards fellow musicians is just it's amazing and and it really shines through in that voices rising series that you I all should see definitely yeah. yeah you you'll love it and our, our dear listeners you should de- if that i think most most of you are watching whatever marvel studios provides on disney plus but if that's one that you haven't caught up with i mean it's only the first couple episodes that have been out so far but it's definitely worth uh definitely worth checking out yeah, it's 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 a great it's a great score and like there's there's really really great. I love how it can get huge, but it can also get very simple and and be very just moody at the same time. And then he really plays on the moods of you know Shuri, 
Um, you know, again, I'm not a big pop. I'm not always a big like like how they did it, how the original song kind of thing. That's usually not my thing for. And that's nothing against the movie at all. I still like those songs. I'm usually not that kind of person. And the fact they were able to incorporate those songs in there and not make me go Ugh, roll my eyes kind of a thing is impressive for me. But I, I think to me, what reason why I think he's so good is he really captured moods so which you're supposed to. That's the whole point of the of the score for the most part. Um, he's able to capture the moods and especially of Shuri uh, with, you know, he's really able to get that some in, in do it in a very simplistic, subtle way that I, it's really impressive. So yeah, I think this is a, a phenomenal score. It really is. And we, now let's talk about some phenomenal original songs. The nominees for best original song are alone by Damini Ebun, uh, Ebuna Lua and Ludwig Goranson, performed by Burna Boy from Black Panther Wakanda forever coming back for you by, Aded Damola and uh, Aded Damola, Adef Lohan, uh, Peace Ordope, and Ludwig Gorenson, and performed by Fireboy from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Con La Brisa by Angela Paola Maldonado Flores, and Ludwig Gorenson, performed by Fudakush from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Lift Me Up by Temelade Openie, Robin Fenty, Ryan Kugler, and Ludwig Gorenson, performed by Rihanna. And I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas Time is Here by James Gunn and Stuart Ransom Miller, performed by the old 97s. And the action figure goes to, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas Time is Here by James Gunn and Stuart Ransom Miller, performed by the old 97s to open up the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special this one, Paul, you and I were just, uh, we were outvoted. We both had Con La Brisa as our top choices on our ballots, but uh, voting was just stronger overall for I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Maybe a surprise, uh, a little bit of an upset in this category. I think the favorite probably would have been Lift Me Up because that's the one that, you know, Rihanna, who is going to be performing or has performed by the time we were recording this, uh, has performed at the Oscars, the song that she wrote, the Robin Fenty uh, songwriting credit. But the the top choice for me, Paul, it was Con La Brisa. And look, I, it's not to take anything away from I Don't Know What Christmas Is, but Christmas Time Is Here. I really do like that song. So I understand why it was the top choice for our listeners, as well as on other ballots within the modern mythological arts and sciences. Because <laughs> while Christmas was happening and we, while it was the season, it was in my holiday song rotation. Like it immediately went in that rotation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was listening to it, listening to it, listening to it, singing along, bopping along with that song. I had a total blast with it. It's super fun, but just Con La Brisa to me was just magical. That's the song that's playing as Namor introduces <sighs> Shuri so to Talo Khan. It's just so beautiful and, and it's just... I mean, what a perfect song to unveil, uh, to unveil Talo Khan and just how and make it feel that much more magical. And I and I think what it's it's playing a pivotal role in the scene because it's just all mm -hmm. about understanding Namor's perspective. Like you, you understand the violent side of it, what he's willing to do to protect, but what is he protecting and why? It's this and providing a song that perfectly plays right along with all that is revealed. And look, it's, I don't think any of that works as well without this song. It is part of the beauty and, and magic within mm -hmm. the scene. 
And Angela Paola Maldonado Flores, who is Fudakush, that's her performer name. You know, she co-wrote the song with Ludwig Göransson, and it is just something so incredibly, uh, so incredibly sweet and so wonderful. And so I, I am a little bummed that uh, I'll admit that this one didn't win. Not to take anything away from I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Um, great song, love it, a lot of fun. Uh, Con la brisa was one that I just thought was was really special though. So. I wish that one would have won, and and it was just just edged out by I don't know what Christmas Bummer. is, but Christmas time is here. But hey, it's hard to top Christmas, especially with the Guardians. It's, it listen, Christmas is I, I get why it, it didn't win, but like I echo everything you said. That that again, I'm not a big like s- original song kind of guy. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Rihanna song at the end of the uh, of What Kind of Forever. I'm just I mean, it's fine. I'm not really into it. But that song though is is really really good the, the, the her voice her melody and the music behind it that it's just it's so it's it's very unique it's I hard it's hard to you know hear i know there's a lot of r&b artists out there that maybe sound similar to that but like i think there is a distinct sound they have with that i think it's so unique and i i legitimately wish they could make an album together because that would sound incredible in my opinion so um maybe it'll happen one day but yeah i i love that song it's great yeah i mean another shout out to ludwig Gorenson, who not only composed the score that won but then also co-wrote and and produced these songs that uh you know except for the winner of i don't know what christmas is but christmas time is here before the other nominees and, and frankly there could have been a, a few other nominees from the Black Panther Wakanda Forever soundtrack that Ludwig co-wrote uh, and produced and just amazing music throughout that movie. And, and Con La Brisa is, the, is my favorite song from uh, from that film. And not to take anything away from, from Lift Me Up, I like that song and I understand why that's the one, obviously with Rihanna co-writing it and performing it. And obviously the the emotional representation, what it represents emotionally with Chad, the loss of Chadwick Boseman and all that that's uh, all this being symbolized with that within the film. So I I love that song as well. And, and I do. I enjoy that song. But yeah, Con La Brisa was the standout for me. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm still going to be I mean, I'm going to keep listening to that song all year round. But when I'm when I'm in the holiday spirit or if I need to get in the holiday spirit, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. That that is going to help. So I'm looking forward to uh, once again hearing the voice of of Beezer McTakalock. Now let's highlight the best comedic moment from the MCU in 2022. The nominees are New Asgard Theater from Thor: Love and Thunder, Captain America from She-Hulk: Attorney at Law, Season One, Episode One, Daredevil's Walk of Shame from She-Hulk: Attorney at Law, Season One, Episode Eight, Shuri and Okoye recruit. Uh, Riri Williams in Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Mantis and Drax versus the cops in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and the action figure goes to Daredevil's Walk of Shame and She-Hulk Attorney at Law season one uh, episode eight this uh, our dear listener is one where you really were instrumental in deciding it because in the voting it was a tie between Daredevil's Walk of Shame and and Captain America, both from She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. So no matter what, She-Hulk was going to win in this category, which I think is fitting because She-Hulk was absolutely hilarious throughout its nine-episode run. But as I said, the tie at the top of the show, tiebreaker is whichever one was higher on the fan voting list, and you just laughed a little bit harder, at least, at Daredevil's Walk of Shame. 
And I can't fault you for that. It is absolutely hilarious. It was surprising the way that that unfolded in that episode of She-Hulk. So I, I loved it. And it was my second choice, by the way, uh, right behind Captain America from the uh, the tag from the mm-hmm. first episode. So I laughed really hard at all of these. This is probably my least slash most favorite uh, category for everything because like I just how do you narrow down like the five mm-hmm. funniest moments or best comedic moments? The truth is there are probably at least five more moments that I laughed at just as hard or almost as hard as the nominees that are here. Comedy, of course, is subjective as anything. And, um, you know, part of the reason and I even had to cheat a little bit because I had to go with Mantis and Drax versus the cops so that I could encapsulate Drax saying he was going to have to pee as he was being shot by all of those cops. And also Mantis uh, giving up her, what, candy cane or whatever it was and calling that even after their battle <laughs> with the cops. So there were so many hilarious things uh, about that. Also tough to edge out uh Mantis and Drax drinking and dancing at Yarvo's in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I mean, there were so many moments and a lot of big laughs also from Thor Love and Thunder. So this category, one of the most, maybe the most difficult for me uh, on an annual basis to try and have generate a list of nominees and also decide on a winner. So I got no problem deferring to the listeners, though, on this tiebreaker because, yes, I laughed really hard at uh, at that tag from the first episode of She-Hulk. But I, I probably laughed just as hard or almost as hard at Daredevil's Walk of Shame. And there, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's not really a way to be wrong here. Exactly. I, I voted for Captain America. You know what? But, uh, you know, Walk of Shame was my number two, I believe. So, yeah, I, 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 lo- I love them both. They're, to me, they're 1A, 1B. Like, they're almost equal to me because the Walk of Shame... The, the Captain America one is so outrageous, but the, the walk of shame is so perfect because it, it's Matt, you know, and I don't know. It, it's, 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 they're both so good. So, yeah, I, I'm not mad. At, I'm not mad at, at either one of those. They're 1A, 1B for me. I'm, I'm happy. Yep. Same here. Now, let's talk about, speaking of Matt Murdock, the best guest star in a series. The nominees are... Benedict Wong as Wong in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and then uh, Griffin Matthews as Luke Jacobson in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash Smart Hulk in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Patty Guggenheim, the winner of our Real MVP Award as Madison with a Y, but it's not where you think, in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So all of our nominees are from She-Hulk Attorney at Law. The action figure goes to... Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, a unanimous choice and for good reason, although I am a little surprised that uh, Hulk, you know, Smart Hulk wasn't able to pull a few votes away, but at the mm. same time, I, I think it's a reflection of how amazing Charlie Cox is as Daredevil in general, but how amazing he was in this return in She-Hulk, and then also just the level of anticipation for that, the affection for that, and the fact that that moment lived up to in the eyes of many fans, and certainly us and and our listeners, uh, that people thought it lived up to their expectations, that there was a lot of, a a lot riding on Daredevil's return, and that, that, by the way, there's still a lot of expectations and a lot riding on something like Daredevil Born Again, so it's not like everything's great now, but, well, it is, it looks like it's great so far, off to a great start, based on this uh, guest starring role in She-Hulk. So I I thought this one could have been a a little more competitive, but 
in the end, I, I I don't think there was ever much doubt that Charlie Cox was gonna was gonna walk of shame away uh, with this one. And so there yeah. he is. I mean, right there with with kind of back to back wins. Not that that moment is all him, but he is at the center of it for best comedic moment and then best guest star in a series. And also, it just fits that She-Hulk, which was big on guest stars and also more episodic in nature than we have seen from the Marvel Disney Plus series up until this point, I think that's where it was, why it swept the guest star category in terms of nominees. But this is a category that I'm actually really excited about in the future, Paul, because Kevin Feige recently talked about how he wants to see at least some of the Marvel series going forward be more episodic with self-contained episodes, not so much the six-hour movie, you know, four to six-hour movies that we've seen, which I think mm-hmm. some of that will still apply. But he mentioned getting things, having things be more episodic. He also, I think, even mentioned Daredevil Born Again as an example of that. So maybe we are going to see a, a lot more guest stars in these MCU series that aren't necessarily supporting characters in an hours-long movie, but just get to come in for an episode or two and make an impact. And, and I should say, you know, the drawing the line between guest star versus supporting character in a series, uh, the category is the the maximum allowed appearances is they cannot be, a guest star cannot be, or cannot still be considered a guest star if you appear in more than one third of the episodes of a given series. So for something like She-Hulk, which had nine episodes, had to appear in three episodes or less. If it was a six episode series, then you do the math, two episodes or less. Uh, So in this case, uh, Daredevil qualified. He was only in two of the nine episodes. So Charlie Cox, a a deserving winner here. I mean, I keep saying that because we keep having deserving winners because we're really good at uh, at choosing award winners, I think. And when I say we, that includes you, uh, our dear listeners. So um, yeah, Charlie Cox's Daredevil, perfect guest star spot and really represents what's great about having a guest star in a show, but also what's always been great about having a guest star in a Marvel comic. Yep, exactly. And I think they embody that per- per- perfectly in uh, Rip It and Rip It. And yeah, uh, anytime you get Charlie Cox in an episode of anything, in any kind of show as Daredevil, um, Matt Murdock, then it's always going to be gold for, for the most part. So yeah, I love this. I mean, come on. It's, it's Daredevil. Come on. It's, it's Daredevil. That, that it's Daredevil. pretty much sums it up. Not said. Not now, said. Uh, let's go ahead and honor the best civilian in the MCU last year because there are characters and there are performances as those characters that are able to make an impact even when they're not a superhero or a supervillain or a government agent or some other military or whatever. Um, they're just the normal people who are, are fleshing out the worlds of these uh, these stories that we love so much and and become an underrated uh, component, unsung heroes in these stories that we love so much. That's why we have the Best Civilian Award. And the nominees are Mohan Kapoor as Yusef in Ms. Marvel, Zenobia Shroff as Muniba, as Muniba in Ms. Marvel, Renee Elise Goldsberry as Mallory Book in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki Ramos in She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Kevin Bacon as Kevin Bacon in the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And the action figure goes to Kevin Bacon as Kevin Bacon in the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. I think uh, top on every ballot except mine. So I was, I, I threw my support 
behind Zenobia Shroff as Muniba, Miss Kamala Khan's mother in Miss Marvel. I think her performance, also Mohan Kapoor as Yusef, but that that performance for Muniba, who ended up having just a a bigger role throughout the life of the series uh, with that bond between Kamala and her mother, that's what that performance is such a huge part of what makes that series so good for me. So uh, I definitely want to uh, want to highlight her, and and now I have done so uh, for the performance she provided in Miss Marvel, but also Kevin Bacon was was everything he should have been as Kevin Bacon in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I also really like Christmas vibe Kevin Bacon uh, in the beginning of the show, which I think is an underrated uh, aspect mm-hmm. of his performance. Obviously, all of his interaction with the Guardians are great, but even when he's just bringing home gifts and in the car and everything and just, just totally feeling it and, and loving life, watching and just experiencing total joy as he's watching Christmas movies and stuff before the Guardian, before Mantis and Drax just totally ruin his day. Uh, all of that stuff totally works. So um, I, I respect everyone else's choice of uh, Kevin Bacon, but shout out to Zenobia Shroff as, as Muniba, who was just absolutely fantastic in Miss Marvel. Yeah, listen, and I, I want to make this very clear that this was actually surprisingly, to my surprise, legitimately, harder than I thought it was going to be. And like as you said, I think this last year, there was it, maybe it, it's coincidental it felt like more of an emphasis of bringing out these these supporting like normal normie characters, if you will, um, especially civilians. in uh, in She Hulk and uh, and Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Ms. Marvel, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, they did a good job of really building a world around the characters. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I think that to me, because you're right, I love the mother, and and that, I love all, everyone. I thought they did a really good job emphasizing and enhancing the the main character in the way without being. Hey. Big so Hulk, Little Hulk obvious. was just missed the list of nominees for best comedic moment. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, listen, I I picked Kevin Bacon because I just I just I really enjoyed. I think overall from the entertainment value, I enjoyed that. But that's also only one serving size, whereas the other ones have other episodes. So it's like, and again, they're they're it's just, it's built it's kind of built differently. So it's a little harder. It's harder for me to judge it completely on its own. Um, separate together rather than in a vacuum. But um, to me, yeah, I, I would say put a you know gun to my head, Kevin Bacon on that. But they all honestly did a really good job, and I think that they Marvel did a good job of having really great um, supporting civilian characters, definitely in this uh, the last year. They certainly did. And now we're not going to be civil. We are going to talk about the best fight in the MCU. The nominees are. Doctor Strange versus Sinister Strange in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The Mighty Thor and Thor versus Gore in Thor Love and Thunder. She-Hulk versus Smart Hulk in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Black Panther versus Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Okoye versus Atuma, round one on the bridge in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to... Black Panther versus Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This was a a narrow victory over Doctor Strange versus Sinister Strange in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which did win the listener vote, or it was tops on the listener ballot. That's not ultimately a win unless it's a tie break. But anyway, this was a very tough category. I, I thought especially there were three choices that were difficult to choose between because I love the music fight of Doctor Strange versus Sinister Strange. But it was hard to top 
the physicality and the visceral nature when we talk about a fight of Black Panther versus Namor and Okoye versus Atuma. And that's where it, it, I had my top three choices and then it narrowed down to two between those two fights in Wakanda Forever. And I really was leaning toward Okoye versus Atuma and then ultimately went with Black Panther versus Namor, Paul, which I know you did as well. And the reason it was uh, the tops is you, it had the visceral qualities of the Okoye versus Atuma fight. Maybe not quite as much, like just that move where Atuma separates Okoye's shoulder. If there was one like best fight move category, that would be the winner. Um, but when we look at the physicality of that fight, which for superpowered CG characters, it's even you know tougher to deliver that, but they managed to with Black Panther versus Namor. But also the emotional stakes at that moment in the fight is where it, it just had the edge. So it was a, a very, very cool fight, but it also really meant a lot for each of those characters in that moment. And the action on screen captured that and kept it at the center of the fight. So yes, the, the physical aspect of it is obviously important and the visual aspect of it is important. But what does it all mean to you as an audience member as it's happening uh, when you can deliver on all of those aspects the way that Black Panther versus Namor did? That's how you win. Yeah, this was tough because you're right. Like basically is Atuma and Okoye, you know, that fight and between Namor and Black Panther, that was my, my, my main two. And the bridge fight is so good. It's so good. Um, it like you said, it's visceral, it's intense, and I just love how it really sets up how formidable these people are. And you're doing it, but with a koye and and everything. It's it's shot really well. It's it again, these are CGI looking characters. I mean, I'm not sure if that's CGI just only just by the, the color of their skin, but um either way. It looks incredible. The fight was intense. I love the fact there was no sound or no music. It was just pure, just them fighting. Um, also, between you know, to me, the reason I picked you know Namor and Black Panther is that there's an emotional buildup here, and you see Shuri just with a pure hatred and having you know again, you're having character development through the fight itself, and that's really tough in, in any kind of movie you're going to have an action scene in. And when you do that, it it's special. And I think that to me is what makes this movie so good is you have two characters that both kind of got what they wanted out of it, you know? And man, I, again, going back to uh, Namor, the performance of, of Namor, uh, when he's, you know, when he's telling Namora, like, listen, my defeat was actually, Actually, a good thing because now, like you know, I, I love that, and I love the fact that you have at the very end that the antagonist is like, no, 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 me losing actually ends up being a good thing in the end because either way, like they're gonna be indebted to us because they, you know, air all this stuff, and I'm like, damn, like even after you know it took it took Shuri outsmarting Namor and getting him in, you know, out of home field advantage basically to defeat him, which again, legit defeat, right? Um, but just seeing how ruthless they both were to each other and of course getting imperious rex i mean come on i can't yeah. again well, I mean, that but i mean her it's, clawing it's one of the, yeah her clipping one of the wings like literally oh, the shot where she so like crazy. digs the claws into his back and like it's just there's a lot happening there and it's it's very intense it's very brutal but 
as we've been talking about, it's it's about the emotion, it's about the character that that's in play here and the character arcs that are being uh, played out here resolved for now like for this story but also leaving enough there to continue this story uh, in the future of the mcu so yeah it's just uh amazing to uh, uh amazing to see the way that that unfolds yeah i just I, I love that fight and i'm so glad that it uh that it came away a winner here now let's get let's go bigger than just a fight between two or three characters let's talk about the best action sequence the nominees are Doctor Strange, America Chavez, and Wong Battle Gargantos in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Welcome to the Jungle from Thor Love and Thunder. The Werewolf Unleashed from Werewolf by Night. The Attack on Wakanda from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the Cambridge Chase from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to the Attack on Wakanda, or the Attack on Wakanda from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This was hard for me to argue too much with this. It was second place on my ballot. I will just say, because it, it finished last place from our listeners, this is where uh, we uh, we part ways a, a little bit, very briefly, and we you know come back together on probably the very next category. But yeah, the listeners were not as big of a fans on last place on the listener ballot was that Cambridge chase from Wakanda Forever. I think that's a really great action sequence that has so many different things happening. There's the car chase stuff. There's the action, uh, there's a lot of other action beats to it. And I mean, you could even say the bridge fight with Atuma and Okoye is kind of part of it. Uh, so if, when you include that, but also there's the drone sequence with Riri as Ironheart, all of that thing, all, all of that works. It's so kinetic and there's just such a such a, a fun energy to that action sequence. So I, I really do like it a lot. And I just think uh, in terms of the, just the visual action to it. I think where this is where the listeners, though, are, are going to use my own words against me from Best Fight, because Attack on Wakanda has really great action, but also there is the emotion of uh, of what's happening. I, I guess maybe what the deciding factor was, yes, it's very emotional and it's very intense. I guess uh, I'm just not over Queen Ramonda dying at the end of that sequence, and so maybe uh, it, it doesn't actually take anything away from uh, from that sequence, but... I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe for me, it just creates some, some raw feelings. But the, the Cambridge chase is is at the top for me. That, that one's at the top for me, but I got no problem with the attack on Wakanda winning there. Yeah, the, the that whole scene to me was is, is fine. I, it, Wakanda Forever it just is maybe one of my favorite, like, top 10 movies of, like, the MCU. So them winning anything for me is just, yeah, it's... It it doesn't surprise me, and it is it deserves it because it's so good. So that's that's where I stand with with that anyway. Yeah. So there's, I mean, you could have also. It was tough to even look at the, um, you know, there was another big fight sequence or big part of the action sequence while the Black Panther Namor fight is happening. There's the huge battle that's happening out in the ocean uh, that was also really good. So um, no doubt that Wakanda Forever was going to win the in this uh, in this category. It was just a matter of which action sequence to uh, to choose. But now let's talk about the best supporting actor in a series. The nominees are Mae Kalamawi as Leila Alfuli slash Scarlet Scarab in Moon Knight, Mohan Kapoor as Yusef in Ms. Marvel, Zenobia Shroff as Muniba in Ms. Marvel, Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki Ramos in uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky slash Abomination in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. 
And the action figure goes to Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky slash Abomination and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. This was tops on my ballot, uh, second on the listener ballot. And um, it was a, a tough category. What I like about this category is there are some dual nominees in the category. Some of these are names that you just heard in the best civilian category. And I think that speaks to the point that you were making when we were talking about that, Paul, of the civilians right. had bigger roles to play this time around than in uh, mm-hmm. than in previous MCU shows. And I think that's a really good thing. As much as I love superheroes, it just adds to these worlds for these characters, and, and it also allows some of the stakes to be even more personal and more intimate in, in certain ways. And so that I, I really liked about it. But yeah, it was kind of hard to top Tim Roth. I, I think if it was if it was more guest star category of just in, in those initial episodes, that would have been one thing. But with his performance in the retreat episode of She-Hulk, that's what brought it home for me to to make Tim Roth I for my choice anyway for supporting actor in a series. He he was in too many episodes to count as a, a guest star, so he got bumped into supporting. And uh, yeah, the the retreat episode is what really elevated. Although he had some great moments um, in his parole hearing episode with uh, his uh, w- with all his wives. Yeah, it was. I, I really liked a lot of these guest stars, and and I felt they 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 all did a good job of showing. I think different. Um, aspects of the characters and and not without going overstaying their welcome again the marvel series for this year weren't the strongest but i felt like they they definitely were showing i think signs of of restraint in some ways which i think is good in 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 certain cases so yeah i definitely i like this marvel people a little bit more on on this one um but yeah I, i definitely enjoyed tim roth definitely yeah so I, uh, I mean, I, I could have uh, certainly, certainly seen Zenobia Shroff, who I also, like I said, at the at the top of my ballot for best civilian, second on my ballot for best supporting actor overall uh, in a series. Now let's look at the best supporting actor in a feature film or special presentation. That's right, we have special mm. presentations mm. now that are not multiple episodes. So in terms of an actor. Not necess- Those actors don't have quite as much time as a movie but to work with their characters and deliver their portrayal, but they definitely don't have nearly as much time as the actors who are leading or in supporting roles in a series. So that's why. And I, we don't get enough of the special presentations to make it their own category, at least not right now. So for as long as that's the case, uh, we will put special presentations alongside feature films for these various categories. And that starts with Best Supporting Actor and the nominees are Sochi Gomez as America Chavez in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie in Thor Love and Thunder, Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone in Werewolf by Night, Angela Bassett as Ramonda, Queen Ramonda, that is, in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Winston Duke as M'Baku in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure, of course, goes to Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a unanimous choice and taking nothing away from the fantastic performances by the other nominees in this category. I would pick Angela Bassett as the best performance of the year in the MCU lead supporting guest star or however you want to categorize it. This was the performance of the year in the MCU. It is disappointing. I thought she had a real chance to be the first 
actor to win an Oscar for an MCU acting performance. That, unfortunately, did not happen. I don't think our uh, imaginary action figure award uh, is going to provide any uh, any consolation, but a lot of awards have come Angela Bassett's way uh, during this award season, and deservedly so. This is an astounding performance that really started rocking me at D23 Expo last year when they showed us the clip of Ram- Queen Ramonda addressing the UN as, of course, the attack on uh, with the featuring the uh, various militaries, various mercenaries against the Dora Milaje, and her talking about people performing civility and, and all of that and just showing what Wakanda is really about and also the power that Wakanda still has, even without Black Panther. She was just so good in that scene, um, which certainly put me on notice. And then, of course, I mean, and just in general, already on notice for Angela Bassett as an actor. But then seeing the movie in its entirety and such powerful scenes, unbelievable moments, just an absolutely astounding performance that is an all-timer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so there's no winner in throughout this entire presentation, throughout this entire podcast, that I feel better about than Angela Bassett as Queen Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever for Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film or Special Presentations. This is about as deserving as it gets. Yeah, enough said, man. I mean, this is, she's, again, I shouldn't be surprised because she's a phenomenal actress, but she brought her A-game in this movie, which I was not prepared for, to the point where I'm like, whoa. Like, and again, part of that's the writing too, obviously, but her performance, she elevated, elevated everything. And I, I think you just see the the struggle of, of someone who's lost majority of their family in the last like five years, basically. Mm-hmm. And to see all her, the pour that out as, as, a, and, and then you put on top of that, the, the fact that she's a leader at this point just is even more so I think you see that all in her face and how she's angry and how she it just, oh, my God, it's incredible. But even in the quieter, again, yeah, even in the quieter exactly moments, like quieter when she's season, talking yeah. to Shuri about kind of the, the ritual, the ceremony that she's talking about of changing that, right. evolving that relationship with the grief and, and mourning of the, the person that was lost. And, and, and I think her kind of explaining where she found T'Challa, you know, still there, still as a presence in her life and, and everything. And, you know, the little debate that she's having, that's. That's a mother who's speaking her truth, but also trying to reach right. her daughter at a moment that her daughter really needs it. And and that's the stuff where it just makes it a well-rounded performance. Yeah, we, we always tend to look at and favor the moments that are super intense and dialed up to 11. And she brings it in all of those moments. But it's also the quieter, more nuanced and, and subtle moments within the performance. That's where it, it just makes it very, very complete. And yeah, she just... she. Everything that she had to do uh, in this movie, which was a lot, she just totally nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Now let's uh, present an award to the best duo in the MCU. We have mm-hmm. uh, the nominees are Mark and Steven from Moon Knight, Thor's from Thor Love and Thunder, Jennifer and Bruce from She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Madison and Wongers from She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and Mantis and Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. This was another tie that was broken by our listener ballot, and the winner is the winner of the action figure. It goes to Mark and Steven from Moon Knight. 
this is the first and maybe only time that Best Tandem is going to be won by one actor playing both parts. Maybe not. Maybe it won't be uh, the only time that that happens. I guess Oscar Isaac could do it again as uh, Mark and Steven, although maybe there'll be a trio of Mark and Steven and, and Jake Lockley, but... I totally understand why the listeners went this direction. I think, Paul, this was at the top of your ballot as well. I had a really tough time with this category. Honestly, I I think when I first saw the fourth episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law, I just thought, that's it. It's going to be Madison and Wongers for me uh, as the best duo. And they were, but they ended up being second place on my ballot. They were uh, surpassed ever so slightly by Mantis and Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I really love that pairing, and that was my favorite of the year. Um, but I, I can't... Uh, I, I have a tough time arguing with, with Mark and Steven, because even though it's one actor, they were a pair, and they were working in tandem, and it was a lot of fun to see the two of them together, and very emotional, too. It wasn't, just, it wasn't always fun. So even in the more intense, more emotional moments, uh, it was great to be with those two identities uh, being played within the same body being played by the same actor. Yeah, that was, um, again, don't love everything in the series, but you can't deny Oscar Isaac what he did in that, in that show either completely. So yeah, I listen, I love Moon Knight as a character. will always love it despite what I, how I feel about the series overall, which again, I don't hate, I just don't love it as much as I want to, but I want to see more Oscar Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, as you know Jake Lockley, as uh, Mark. Uh, oh my gosh, Mark Spector and um, Stephen Grant. I want to see all of them, you know. And so give them to me. But yeah, I, I, I hopefully it's a little a, a little bit more focused on Moon Knight. But anyway, I move on. We shall see what happens for the future of Moon Knight. For now, let's talk about the most inspiring moment. The nominees are. Good is not a thing you are, it is a thing you do, from Miss Marvel. Jane chooses to live and die as the mighty Thor in Thor Love and Thunder. Group therapy from She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Shuri completes her mother's mourning ritual for T'Challa, the last scene in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Thalokan revealed in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And the action figure goes to... Shuri completes her mother's mourning ritual for T'Challa, the last scene in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This was uh, this topped my ballot. It topped yours, Paul. Uh, it topped others. It was second place from our listeners who uh, chose Good Is Not A Thing You Are, It Is A Thing You Do from Ms. Marvel. That was second place for me. I, I think the only reason I, I didn't give it the top spot is just because of how elevated the scene was, uh, that last scene in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, and also, you know, good is not a thing you are, is a thing you do, lifted directly from the comics. So um, not to say, it, I don't think that really negatively impacted it, but and there was just a, there was something that beat it out just a, a little bit more, but that's a fantastic moment. And the way they did it in the MCU uh, with Sheikh Abdullah was, uh, was fantastic. So um, really with all of these moments, the only one that I would say it kind of stands out as, you know, a deserving nominee for how it was portrayed in the MCU, but I did think that, you know, the moment we got with Jane and Thor Love and Thunder, while I thought it was great, it didn't quite capture the full weight of, of what that represented in uh, Jason Aaron's comic book run. And so that that certainly could have been better and, and could have been a winner for me this year um, if there had been more that was really built into it. And also, if they did a better job of kind of defining how all of that worked and, and why that choice was what it was. 
uh, for for Jane Foster. But in any event, that last scene in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, it, it just absolutely rocked me. And I, I think as it did uh, so many who watched the movie. And, and the reason I think it serves as being inspiring is like this was a moment that Shuri resisted. This was a moment that that Shuri wasn't going to allow herself, didn't feel like she could allow herself because again of her her relationship with what happened to with losing her brother and then of course uh you know not even not even being able to really hear it or receive that ritual that uh, Ramonda was describing that her mother had described to her and you know her resisting that and and giving more into her the anger over what she has lost as opposed to what that really represents of, of the love that's at the center of it. I think seeing her come full circle to that in that moment is incredibly inspiring and, and touching. And I, and I think it's because of what it represents in the story, what it represents outside of the story. Obviously, this is Shuri mourning T'Challa. This is, but this is also Letitia Wright and the entire cast and crew of this mourning Chadwick Boseman in this moment and changing the relationship and the, the dynamic of, of their own relationship with their, their grief in the mourning of the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And then outside of the, the specificity of, of in-story and outside of the story, T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman, I think all of us have faced various challenges of, of our relationship with grief and those that we've lost and, and how we move forward with that, uh, which is what made a lot of the storytelling within Black Panther Wakanda Forever so incredibly powerful. And I think we've seen a, a lot of an examination of grief and loss throughout phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Wakanda Forever as the last movie and not technically the last thing in phase four. Uh, that goes to the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. But as the last movie of phase four, kind of closing that out with, I, I think, one of the better scenes in terms of portraying that of just challenging how we can move forward. And there can be there is a sadness that is forever a part of it, but also a, a joy and a love that is at the, the center of those types of moments and those types of relationships and the experiences uh, that we go through. That was just a- absolutely incredible. And it was very quiet and understated, um, but so beautiful and, and poetic and, and impactful all at once. Uh, there, yeah, there's certainly not a moment that I found uh, more touching and more inspiring in the MCU last year uh, than that one. So it, it was my top choice and, and the top choice for for others within within the Academy and rightfully so. Well said. Well said. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's let's not be so nice. Let's uh, let's get bad. Let's get mean and talk about the best antagonist from the MCU in 2022. The nominees are uh, Ethan Hawke as Arthur Harrow in Moon Knight, Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Christian Bale as Gore in Thor Love and Thunder, and Tenoch Huerta as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the action figure goes to Tenoch Huerta as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So how about that? Using our, our sports analogies that probably only land with like five people in our audience, um, this is like winning Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same year for Tenoch Huerta to do this with a debut performance in the MCU, that he's Rookie of the Year and he's the best antagonist, but a unanimous choice for best antagonist. And look, there just wasn't anybody who could have been better. I think going into the year, 
I figured that we would get something pretty great from Tenoch Huerta, but also when you have somebody like Christian Bale on the list, you just figure that's going to be tough to overcome uh, in this category. And uh, it's not taking anything away from Christian Bale's performance. I think he did great as Gore. I just didn't think he got quite as much as he probably needed to be able to do and, and have to do in Thor Love and Thunder. But I, I also don't think it's just about the size of the role, by the way. I don't know that they could have done anything with Gore that would have allowed anyone to compete, Christian Bale or anyone in any of these other roles, to really compete with Tenoch Huerta as Namor. This was just an incredibly well-conceived character within the story, and they're just so brilliantly portrayed. And, and the performance is what makes is what really makes it from Tenoch Huerta, because as you highlighted earlier, Paul, when we were talking about it for Best Rookie, it's really hard to do some of the terrible things that we watch Namor do to characters we love in Black Panther Wakanda Forever and yet still find empathy for that character. And it's not the first time it's happened. You know, we we had a we got there in a very different way, but a, a not entirely dissimilar effect with Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger. But what do we recognize that as? One of the best antagonist performances that we've seen in the entirety of the MCU. And now Tenoch Huerta takes his place right alongside that uh, with his portrayal of El Nino Sin Amor in Wakanda Forever. Um, this one, lots of difficult choices to make uh, in uh, in these categories. This wasn't really one of them. Uh, maybe not as much of a runaway as Angela Bassett, but pretty close. Uh, and uh, and obviously, yeah. in terms of the being a, a unanimous winner, uh, not, not uh, as unanimous as as Angela Bassett was, because you know that's pretty much equal. Yeah, listen, Namor is by far. There's no question for me. It's it's so he. It was such a home run, grand slam, out of the park performance that. I, yeah, I just, I you can't compete with it, man. I mean, there's just so, there's so many layers to what that performance is. And again, the writing was, again, the writing's there, but the performance really elevates everything. And, and there's a lot of nuance with Namor and, and there's a reason why people like Namor, even though he is a, a dick and, you know, and he's, and he's, he, he can be awful. And there, because there's, you, he, the character himself does a good job of, you under, again, you understand him, where he comes from, understanding from a from a leadership king, you know, making all the decisions, where he would come to these, where he would come to this conclusion. Then I'll agree with the conclusion. You can see where it's like he wrestles with it, but he ultimately makes these really bad decisions based on his self, the selfishness of his own people, and 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 that's it. So to put that in, in a performance. And, and, and the nuanced performance in some ways too is really special. And I think this, I think he'll be the character and the performance that will keep on giving throughout the, uh, his, his tenure in, in the MCU. Totally agree. Now let's talk about uh, another category that uh, our listeners were instrumental in deciding the winner. And that is the category of best episode of a series. So best episode of a MCU Disney plus series, the nominees are Asylum, Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 5, Destined, Miss Marvel Season 1, Episode 3, A Normal Amount of Rage, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 1, The Retreat, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 7, Ribbit and Rip It, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 8. 
and the ballots resulted in a three-way tie between uh, all three of the She-Hulk episodes. But our listeners favored and therefore served as the tiebreaker for the winner, and the action figure goes to Ribbit and Rippet, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 8. If you're keeping score at home, that is indeed the Daredevil episode that gave us the best guest star of the year with Charlie Cox and the best comedic moment with Daredevil's Walk of Shame. And this one was, uh, these were all really close calls. And also there were, by the way, some episodes of Miss Marvel that uh, even I'm bummed didn't make the, the list of, uh, of nominees. But these three episodes of She-Hulk I thought were, were so strong. I mean, that first episode I absolutely loved. And, and I know some of that is my, my Hulk bias, including a smart Hulk bias, uh, and everything between Jennifer and Bruce in that I, I thought was just so perfect and on point. Um, my uh, What I thought was the best episode of the year, our listeners, I should say, um, they were the tiebreaker because the Ribbit and Rip It was the highest ranking of those three tied episodes from She-Hulk, although their highest ranking episode on their ballot, it just wasn't fact. It wasn't one that tied for the lead, so that they didn't factor into the tiebreaker, was Asylum from Moon Knight, season one, episode five. That is a phenomenal episode of Moon Knight. It is absolutely fantastic. And I, when we saw it, I thought that it was going, and it was second, it was actually the second choice on my ballot, by the way. I thought that was going to be a really difficult episode to top, and it was. Uh, the top choice for my uh, ballot, though, was not Ribbit and Rip It, although I I don't intensely disagree with anyone who put it atop uh, their ballot, as I know uh, you did, Paul. But... Um, the one that just uh, that that just took the edge for me was the retreat in She-Hulk episode uh, season one, episode seven. All of that group therapy I thought was fantastic. I thought it captured a lot of the emotional catharsis and the the emotional arc for a character, like we saw in uh, in WandaVision episode eight, previously on Asylum. But I think that's where Asylum maybe fell just slightly in, in my own ranking is because it, it was in its own way. It still had, I mean, it did things in its own way, but also still had a lot of similarities to that previously on episode. And I felt like the retreat was a great way of bringing a character's emotional arc and a resolution of that arc. Not that everything's totally resolved within that episode, but it is a huge pivotal moment in the emotional arc of Jennifer Walters and her own self-acceptance and the way it got there was uh, a completely different path, completely different mechanisms than were in play in previously on or Asylum, but no less effective. And so I thought everything they did with group therapy, it was sweet, it was funny, it was sincere, um, and also just so such a great examination of Jennifer Walters that I think a lot of people can find ways to relate to or at the very least have empathy for. And I just, I, I thought it was... Fantastic and so wildly different from anything we've seen in the MCU. So the retreat is, uh, you know, it was one of those episodes that was tied for first, like uh, a normal amount of rage and rib it and rip it. But the tiebreaker, of course, goes to rib it and rip it, which I can't argue with because that's just a great, great episode that plays almost as a fantastic single issue of a, a comic book with the whole guest star and the, how effectively that was deployed. And I imagine some of those things played a factor for you, Paul, because I know the Ribbit and Rip It was at the top of your ballot. 
Yeah. So this was something that it was tough. Again, one A, one B. I love that 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 episode. Um, you know, um, and the thing is with when you have the whole again, I'm the Tim Roth episode. What is it called again? The retreat. The retreat. I wanted to say like. The, the circle like that's not that makes sense um the retreat and uh I mean, they could have called it hurting for are, a yurton but you know that was they should have <laughs> um the, the thing the, the, seriously though but i mean the thing is is that i i just can't deny the inner child of me this love to see daredevil and she hulk together and like classic yellow mustard uh you know and and ketchup costume i just can't and plus it's Freaking! It's Frogman, goddamn it! Not Leapfrog. It's Frogman. Oh god, so that's so frustrating. Um, it, it's got like all these things in it that I love. It really is hard for me to just deny that. But the retreat is so special, and honestly, it's such a good episode written by Zeb Wells. Um, he's writing, he's writing Amazing Spider-Man now. It's a great episode. It really is. And so, I just got to say that it's one A, one B. I, I defer to my inner child on this one, but really the retreat is, is is a really great episode. It is. Now let's honor the best lead actor in a series. The nominees are Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash Moon Knight slash Mr. Knight slash Jake Lock slash Jake Lockley in Moon Knight. Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan slash Miss Marvel in Miss Marvel. Tatiana Maslani as Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Only three series, only three lead performances, and so three nominees. The action figure goes to Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash Jake Lockley slash Moon Knight slash Mr. Knight in Moon Knight. And this was a choice that was a, a unanimous top choice across the board. No surprise here. And it is in no way, shape, or form any sort of slight to Iman Vellani or Tatiana Maslany, who both did outstanding jobs playing their respective characters. This was one where I had maybe the most difficult time deciding and just even ranking those three nominees. Like, how could you really? And, and what had to be the deciding factor is, well, Oscar Isaac was the one playing more than one identity. Even in the case of, uh, of Tatiana Maslany, like, remember go back to the first episode, there is no other guy, you know, like there is for Bruce and the Hulk. She's Jennifer, whether she is, I mean, not necessarily in terms of how she's perceived, but internally, she's Jennifer Walters, even when she's She-Hulk. So having Oscar Isaac play all of these different characters, and, and mainly, you know, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, and having to create a he won best, you know, they won best tandem together with the same actor <laughs> playing these parts, playing these identities. And that's a testament to the performance of Oscar Isaac. And I think that's the thing that, yes, uh, Moon Knight had some of its issues, although I don't think had that many issues. I still really liked the show a lot. But what was never an issue at all was not that there were issues with Tatiana Maslany or Mon Vellani, but certainly not with Oscar Isaac, who was just incredible in Moon Knight. So, Really, I, I think I'm happiest that we got all three of these actors playing these characters now in the MCU because they all knocked it out of the park their first time out as these characters. That is wonderful that that happened. I just there 
somewhere along the way, you have to find some justification for <laughs> differentiating and, and ranking these performances in some way in order to have an award show. And the the easiest and admittedly, maybe the laziest way of doing that was looking at the multiple identities that Oscar Isaac was portraying. But he did such an, an amazing job with each one that, yeah, that 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 just had to give him the edge over two other outstanding and, and worthy performances. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I'm really hard on the Moon Knight series, and I want to make that very clear that it's because I love the character so much from the comics, and it just it just did not hit me as well. And, and I'm very hard on it, I'll be, I'm admittedly so. Again, Oscar Isaac is not the issue in that movie, or show, excuse me, and the costumes were never the issue. His performances were incredible. I love them. I want to see Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, Jake, and Jake Lockley. I want to see all of them ASAP. So to me, this is this makes the most sense, to be quite honest. And I, and I love I, I love Oscar Isaac, and I can't wait to see him more. I want to see him. To be honest, it feels like he's it feels like he's been gone for a long time. It hasn't been gone that long, but it feels like it's been a long time. I want him back soon. As do I, and hopefully, uh, you know, something like Blade, if uh, if not earlier than that, can get us a, a glimpse in at Moon Knight and, and where things are headed for uh, for Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley and, and the rest of the crew. But uh, after honoring the best lead actor in a series, now we turn our attention to the best lead actor in a feature film or special presentation. The nominees are Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange's in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Natalie Portman as the Mighty Thor in Thor Love and Thunder, Gael Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell and the Werewolf in Werewolf by Night, uh, Letitia Wright as Shuri slash Black Panther in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Palm Clementif as Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. This was a very, very close category, but the action figure goes to Letitia Wright as Shuri slash Black Panther in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And this was the top choice on my ballot, the top choice on yours as well. Our listeners had Letitia Wright in second place behind only Benedict Cumberbatch uh, and his uh, outstanding performance in Multiverse of Madness. What gave uh, Letitia Wright the, the edge for me is... It's there's nothing. I, I I'm not the biggest fan of Multiverse of Madness, but none of that uh, is really traced back to the performance or performances of Benedict Cumberbatch in that movie. Um, it's just really about how great Letitia Wright was, and and I do think that her performance it is being a, a little bit underrated in the movie because of so much of the attention rightfully going to and so much of the praise, the the well deserved praise that goes in the direction of Angela Bassett and Denos Huerta. But Letitia Wright does an unbelievable job in this movie, and she is carrying the emotional weight, emotional core of this movie all the way through to the very end and, and really portraying a very complicated arc for a character that is also representing an arc for the the people who made this film and, and knew and, and loved Chadwick Boseman and those of us who are fans. And then also, again, you know, the the broader empathy and, you know, the the emotional core and emotional truth that's at the center of this that goes beyond the the characters and, and actors involved. And so I, I think so much there's so much that Black Panther Wakanda Forever is being asked to do more than it is even fair to ask of a movie 
and yet it achieves those things. It performs so well, and that Letitia Wright is right at the center of it with her portrayal of Shuri slash Black Panther. She did uh, an amazing job in this movie. I, I really thought that, not that I didn't think it was likely because of the way things go, but when we talk about what MCU performances are award-worthy, could be recognized with nominations and stuff like that, it may have not been the runaway, you must nominate this in the same uh, on quite the same level as Angela Bassett, but I still think this was an, an award-caliber uh, performance by Letitia Wright, um, who just brought so much to uh, this portrayal of Shuri with an unbelievable, just unbelievable degree of difficulty, and for her to do uh, accomplish what she did in this performance is, is nothing short of remarkable, and and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad she got this win. Yeah, I listen. Letitia Wright gets a lot of cr- uh, criticism, and I don't want to go too deep into that. But um, the, all that aside, you know, for her personal beliefs and whatnot, um, I, I just want to say her performance in this movie is, is is is. I almost feel it's because of the controversies surrounding her in this movie. People kind of like overlook her performance in this movie because it's really good. Yeah, I don't. I really don't think it's that. And, and look, I. I addressed this in our Black Panther Wakanda Forever spoiler review, and I'll, I'll mostly leave it at that. They, I mean, she addressed some of these things in in more recent interviews. And and look, the, the video that she shared and some of the views that it expressed, she said that's not what she meant and not what she intended to express. Mm, so that's I'll, good. I'll, I'll, good, good, I'll good. take her at that. And I, I hope that, that I'll take her word on that and hope that it's, it's genuinely true. Um, but look, what she did share a few years ago, like, yes, that's harmful and and that it wasn't good. And I don't necessarily like the way she addressed it in that moment, but it doesn't seem like that. Hopefully that it's, she's saying that doesn't represent who she is and and what she believes. And if that's true, great. And I don't want to, I I'm not trying to wash that away from, from anything, but she's she's given her apology for it. and, And at this point, as long as she continues to demonstrate that that's true as far as what she's saying now versus what she shared then, that's fine. And But in terms of her performance, though, it actually wasn't that big of a story when this movie came out. I was kind of surprised that not as many that it wasn't brought back up uh, quite as much when uh, when it came when the movie came out. I really do think that it's just this tends to happen. It, it actually happened to Chadwick Boseman, by the way, in his performance in the first Black Panther movie. I, I think because people already kind of accepted him as great in the role coming off of Captain America Civil War, everybody kind of turned their attention to all of the great new performances from Denai Guerrero as Okoye, from Letitia Wright as Shuri in that movie, and then of course uh, Michael and you know uh, Lupita Nyong'o as uh, Nakia, and you know Winston Duke with a breakout uh, turn as Mbaku, and then just that all-time you know MCU antagonist performance by Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. I think we you kind of had a repeat of that. Not a new character in Queen Ramonda, but a much bigger role for her in this one than she had, and not that it was insignificant in the first film, but even bigger here. And so I think the power of Angela Bassett's performance, and then the power of Tino Schwartz's performance. I think that probably had more to do with Letitia Wright's performance being somewhat overlooked um, more than anything else. But I, I, I still say, again, those other issues aside, just looking at the performance itself, Letitia Wright as an actor did a, an absolutely brilliant job in, uh, in this movie. And so I, I think if hopefully, you know, she continues to, uh, you know, 
express, you know, similar sentiments to what she's done more recently, as opposed to, you know, what she was sharing in the mm-hmm. past and, you know, using her, her platform in, in a good and, and positive way that, that promotes empathy. If that continues to happen, great, that's wonderful. But then also in terms of just evaluating the performance, uh, this was the best lead performance that I, I believe I saw in the MCU in 2022. And I am, I am happy to see her get uh, this yeah. win. Now uh, let's talk about, let's hand out the award for the best series in the MCU in 2022. The nominees are, you guessed them, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Can you guess the winner? <laughs> the action figure goes to She-Hulk, Attorney at Law in a razor thin margin. This is as thin as it gets between She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, our winner, and uh, just barely in uh, in second place, almost the winner, Miss Marvel. And this was a, a very tough category for me uh, to decide which one uh, was the victor. Our, our listeners chose Moon Knight as their top series, just outvoted by the, the rest of the Academy. But um, this was tough. I, I think were it not for the finale, the choice would have been easier for me to just go with She-Hulk, mm. Attorney at Law. Um, but because the finale, I thought, just made the, the overall series feel kind of incomplete, then I, I turned toward and, and gave a nod to Miss Marvel on my own ballot, which I thought just did a, a slightly better job of being a better overall story, a more complete story over the course of its entire run. But that's not to say that Miss Marvel was perfect. You go back to what we talked about in episode five and specifically the second half of episode five and the way the, the clandestines were just unceremoniously dumped off the board within that story which even like the writers and directors of Ms. Marvel talked about like, yeah, they just kind of had to move that off the board and, and get to the other stuff in the story. And it's just a shame that that happened because it just made things feel uh, a, a little incomplete in that moment. But I thought the finale was able to take the remaining pieces and bring it home in a satisfying way. So I think that's where uh, Miss Marvel got the edge for me. It did such a, a wonderful job, I thought, of capturing the spirit, uh, the essence of the original G Willow Wilson, uh, G Willow Wilson run on Miss Marvel, and, and so maybe a, a little bias and on my account, be having such affection for those comic books, and and maybe looking at the way Miss Marvel represented those, and, and giving that the edge. But I, I can't really find much fault in She Hulk Attorney at Law as the winner, because again, it, it was it probably was the clear winner for me up until the finale, and maybe I'm guilty of, of penalizing it too much for the finale, because uh, you look at those first eight episodes, and there's not a lot of fault to find uh, within them. So even if the finale wasn't as satisfying as I, I hoped it would be, there was still so much that was so great within uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So I, I've got no problem with it representing the MCU Fan Awards as the, the selection for best series. Yeah, I... I had had so much fun with the series and it really felt, I just, I don't know. It, it felt like it deepened the Marvel universe. I, I, I said that before in the, in the, in the episodes of uh, nauseum. I'll say it again. I, I think it really broadened the MCU way more than a lot of films or any TV series has done. Maybe ever. I don't know. I have to really kind of analyze that a little bit further, but in a it while, really broadens sure. it. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a minute either way. So good point. So yeah, either way, I, I just it and it just brought a lot of fun in. I understand the controversy of the last episode, and I, I can I understand it. Which I don't a agree. lot of people liked, by the way. So like, I'm not. Yeah. You know, uh, I like the I fourth. It. Yeah, I like the fourth wall break. I just don't think that by itself makes it amazing. They needed to do more amazing stuff. Agreed. With it I, and I after agree it. with that. That. 
yes, that that I agree with. And so um, all that being said, yeah, this is definitely my favorite series. And I think the reason why it's fun, it's, it was just a little different take on a, a, the fourth ball was great. I thought it was accurate to the, that comics that I think that really brought She-Hulk, I think, to a to a, little, a lot more popularity. And it worked for the series, too. Um, you know, and it, again, it broadened the Marvel Universe and, and really kind of brought the, the, all these different aspects to it. And it was great. So, um, yeah, easy, easy win for me yeah and what a weird thing for me to say that it represents the mcu fan awards as best series as if that's the job of any of these shows but uh i'm not going to edit that out i'm going to leave that in and admit to the world that i'm a dope so uh so uh (laughs) moving on from there we're, we're getting close to the end we only have three categories left um the first of which is the award for best feature film or special presentation. And because we combined those two things, we get a full list of five nominees. Uh, not much competition to make the list of nominees, though, because five spots for five possible entrants. Uh, but anyway, the nominees are, you guessed them, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Werewolf by Night, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And the action figure goes to, by way of a unanimous vote, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Like, there was, uh, I think in terms of movies, there really wasn't a lot of competition here. Uh, not to, that's not like a slam on Multiverse of Madness, despite my feelings about that movie. Uh, you know that uh, those of you who listen to the show know I probably like Thor Love and Thunder more than almost everyone. Um, so it's it's not a slam on those things, but Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is just on another level and it really is, you know, in you know that that top tier upper echelon of, of MCU movies. And um so it, it was really hard to compete with that. But I, I don't want to take anything away from the special presentations. Werewolf by Night was great. And were it not for Wakanda Forever, it would have won on my ballot this year. I, I thought Werewolf by Night was just outstanding. And uh right there with it, very close was the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday specials. This was a brand new format for Marvel Studios in 2022, and their first two goes at it were outstanding. Like Both of those were really, really great, exactly what I thought they should have been. Um, not that it mattered, they need to validate what I think they should be, at least in terms of the creative possibilities of them. They really delivered and made it something that we are so excited about in a format that obviously we're very excited about and hope to see more of in the future. So uh, this is a category that I, I feel really, really, really good about. Um, but yeah, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, uh, uh, another another very, very well-deserved victory for this movie as, as best mm-hmm. feature film or special presentation. And listen, like I, Wakanda Forever is a masterpiece, in my opinion, for, for a superhero movie of any kind of science fiction Whatever you want to say it is, fantasy, whatever. It's I think it's a masterpiece. It I I like I think I might like it better than the first one, to be quite honest. Um, it's it's so good, and I, I it 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 really feels like such a different movie from the first from the first one, which obviously, but I mean it's such totally everything is just a different feel and I, I, it just there's a uniqueness to it um I mean, namor i mean black panthers the new black panther uh you know um uh oh my gosh uh Umba- is it umbaku i always yeah. forget see i'm terrible with names umbaku oh my god like he's this incredible i mean like he gives he the 
the little bit he's in the movie, it, it, it's a lasting impression every single damn time. And I'm like, give me more M'Baku. Look, M'Baku, like and, the, M'Baku and the carrot he was eating in the throne room almost oh, got nominated for best tandem. Carrot looks delicious. And, fun, and funniest moment. Like, just, yes. Oh, he was so I mean, good. It, so you both had a demon. Oh, my God. I, I laughed out loud again when he said that. Oh, my God. Um, Listen, the, the Wakanda Forever is – I, I have always ranked for the most part. I haven't put Quantumania in, but I have ranked every MCU project, and I, I believe it's in the top ten for sure. So – but to not to be outdone – and again, Werewolf by Night, it's it's up there too. But Multiverse of Madness is not not too far behind for me. I love that movie to death. Um, it's it's a it's a ride. I love it. It's not. It's a different, obviously, movie than Wakanda Forever. But I know you have your issues with it, Sean. But I I lo- I adore that movie. It is a it is easily one of the most rewatchable movies in the MCU of its whole catalog, in my opinion. I could sit down and watch that anytime and put a smile on my face. And it goes by so fast. And I and I rewatched it a few months ago and on 4K and I was like, dang, I love this movie so much. It, it just it makes me feel good. And just like Wakanda Forever did the same thing when I rewatched it. And by the way, because I'm so old and so busy, I had to separate it two different settings to watch both movies at different times. So just put it out there. Um, it's life is life is hard. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think the MCU gave us for me. Lots of great content in the film department and the special presentation department too. Like I said, John, I love the new special presentations that we've we've gotten. But yeah, those two movies, Wakanda Forever and, and Multiverse of Madness, they have done some good work. And I think they'll honestly, in my opinion, I think they'll 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 especially Multiverse of Madness because I think it's it'll have a, it'll age even really really well. Wakanda Forever, I think, will be always be a a masterpiece and, and it'll be high up there with the MCU uh, greatest of all time. Yeah, that is uh, well said. Now let's go to our second to last category, which you know some might argue, uh, which is normally when you would, this type of award might seem like it's the the biggest and most prestigious award, but uh, that is reserved for something else. As as those of you who followed last year's ceremony uh, well know by now. But let's talk about uh, let's present the award though for best MCU story. The nominees are Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Miss Marvel, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So this is for the best MCU story, regardless of format. You got the nominees. The action figure goes to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And what a surprise. No surprise whatsoever. Look at the direction that it's been going and how many victories you have seen for this movie rookie of the year best antagonist best fight best action sequence uh best supporting actor in a feature film or special presentation best lead actor in a special film or presentation best feature film or special presentation it's all been leading to this yes it is all of those components and more came together to make black panther wakanda forever the best MCU story of 2022. And it was, by the way, a unanimous decision. So that's everybody within the Academy of Modern Mythological Arts and Sciences put this at the top of their ballot, including our collective listener ballot. And really, no surprise there. No surprise that this is the winner. Um, You may be wondering, when you look at that uh, top five of MCU stories for the list of nominees, 
that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness made it. It was, you know, by default for best feature film because every movie or special presentation because there were only five. So all five got to be nominated there. But we had eight uh, eligible entrants for feature film or special presentation. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness made the cut. Thor Love and Thunder didn't, which just illustrates when you go back to my own opinions on those movies that I don't unilaterally decide what gets nominated and all this stuff in, in all of these categories uh, that I do try to try to make it fair. And truth be told, even amongst our listeners, there was more love for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness than there was Thor Love and Thunder. I think it's more split on Multiverse of Madness, but I'm definitely in the minority in how positive I am about uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And I'm fine with that. Uh, that is uh, perfectly all right, because regardless of the list of nominees... I knew that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was no threat to win Best MCU Story. Uh, that maybe would have been a, a little troubling for me, but uh, I I love this list of, of Best MCU Story with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, regardless of how I may feel about uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I'm happy to see these other ones being nominated. And I, I love just how different this category is. We've got a couple movies nominated. We've got uh, a couple series nominated. We've got a special presentation. So all of the different formats that Marvel is presenting stories in are uh, are represented here. And even within the series that are in there for best MCU story, different styles of series, you know, more of the, the six hour, you know, drama slash com, you know, family comedy of Miss Marvel, six hour movie style of, of storytelling versus the more, episodic and even more comedic She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which, is, as Paul pointed out, you know, was really changing things and kind of broadening horizons and definitions of what the MCU and, and MCU stories could be. I, I think it's great that all of these things were doing such different things. And even something like Multiverse of Madness, where I don't necessarily agree with all of the character choices in that, in terms of the format of the movie and being very different and very quirky Sam Raimi type of, of story, as it should be, because it's directed by Sam Raimi. I, I like even if I don't love the overall execution of the movie, I like that a very different type of MCU movie um, is represented is represented somewhere within that category. See, I can put a positive spin on just about anything. But for the winner, Paul, it just it, it has to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, there was there was clearly no better choice. And and I, I think if you go back and listen to our, our spoiler reviews, as much as we love, as much love as we show toward these other various nominees for best MCU story, I, I don't think anything was quite as, as emphatic as uh, how we felt and, and how positively we felt about Wakanda forever. Yeah. Wakanda forever, I think is, uh, you know, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's special. Um, I yeah I I think this will go down as one of the best MCU stories um, ever. Um, I I think it's will be, will be considered maybe even better than the first one um, in my opinion. So that's where I stand with it. I know everyone will probably agree to that, but I, whenever I watch this movie, it's so unique and, and for obvious reasons. But beyond I think the, even the obvious reasons, it's it, it's constructed differently. Um, you know, people love to criticize the, the Riri Williams thing sometimes, you know, and I'm just like, man, like it, to me, she's a vehicle to get the plot going, obviously, but it, it, 
but they really they, they don't really hit you over the head with her in my opinion they really don't and i thought that it was a, she was a great it was a great introduction to her and to kind of set her up for in the future uh series that she'll have and and honestly it just never, she never like it got out of in the way i thought of anything and i think that's you know in the midst of like a really big story going on so and again going to the bigger mcu stuff that i love to talk about there's a lot they lay out in the foundation in this movie i think that they'll be pulling from in the future so this is i think easily the, a very unique story and i think one of the best ones in the mcu by far it's a very unique story with a incredibly unique and expansive like set of Per, like reasons to exist and, and purposes that it has to fulfill um, that is is so very different. And as we've talked about before, more than any movie should ever have to do, but let alone all of that was there for this film and and it delivered in, in all the ways I, I thought that it needed to and delivered so well. I, I'm not, I'm still kind of like where we were at the spoiler review. I, I'm not necessarily looking to compare the first film to the second film because they're so different for so many different reasons and, and serving so many different functions that um you know I, I don't necessarily it's it's not about comparing them black panther versus black panther wakanda forever it's just in term you guys know in terms of my rankings i always go with a tiered system for the mcu and wakanda forever takes its place in that same tier that same top tier the marvel masterpiece collection of the mcu you know, Wakanda Forever takes its place alongside uh, Black Panther and a number of other films as, as among the the very best in the MCU. And I, and I know maybe not everybody feels quite that way on, on quite that level for Wakanda Forever. And that's OK, too. You don't necessarily have to like it as, as much as, as I do or as, as much as Paul does. That's totally fine. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think regardless of where you feel uh, how you feel it compares to the first film or where it stands amongst all of the MCU. Um, there, there's no question that it was the highlight of a, a really good year in the MCU as, as the best story of 2022. Now it is time for our, our final award and the one that we consider our, our best and most important, most prestigious award. And it is the John Beerley Politeness Award this is the category that is named after our dear friend, John Beerley, whom we lost in uh, 2020. And you can hear John on our Avengers Endgame spoiler review, which we invite you to go back and listen to so you can just hear how magical John Beerley was and how much better he is at this than we are. But we uh, we endeavor to continue doing our best. But um, this award, uh, one thing that uh, we always knew, everyone always kind of knew as soon as they met John and, and everyone loved about John as they came to know him, is that he was just impossibly polite uh, all the time, just about, and mm -hmm. uh, an incredibly kind and incredibly nice person and, and spirit um, that uh, we started this award. Actually, it was there going back to the original Modern Myth Media podcast and the Modern Myth Movie Awards uh, that John was, was al also got to be a part of. And so we keep that award going uh, in his name with the John Beerley Politeness Award. Uh, the nominees for that award for the MCU in 2022 are Muniba makes Kamala's Miss Marvel costume in Miss Marvel. Sheik Abdullah offers cookies to damage control in Miss Marvel. Darcy brings snacks to Jane during chemotherapy in Thor Love and Thunder. Pug provides a map, provides Jennifer with a map to the best bathroom for pooping in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. <laughs> And the Guardians bring Christmas to Peter in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. 
and the action figure goes to Muniba makes Kamala Khan's Miss Marvel costume in Miss Marvel. This was the top choice on yours and my ballot. This one didn't go out to listeners. It went out to those who who knew uh, who knew John Beerley and might be able to measure his mm. his politeness and where he might have leaned. Mm. I think, Paul, you and I may have had uh, similar thoughts on, on what led us to this um, in terms of why we chose this. That, frankly, I think this is the moment John would have chosen um, if he if this was absolutely if, if he was here, um, knowing his own relationship with his, with his mother and what she did mm-hmm. in having uh, his relationship with her and you know building his relationship and, and his enjoyment, his love and appreciation for these fantastic modern mythological stories that we enjoy so, that we enjoy so much uh, like Marvel and DC superhero stuff Star Wars Highlander and the like um, you know John would credit his mom as being instrumental in that even making costumes and stuff so uh, the idea of a superhero's mom making their costume is something that I think he would have absolutely loved and that was the deciding factor uh, for me with this award. But I want to very quickly acknowledge the other nominees. Uh, I think, you know, Sheikh Abdullah offering cookies to damage control. Even people John didn't always uh, get along with, he was incredibly nice to. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if John would have offered cookie or a cheeseburger uh, to somebody who maybe was very coming true. to him as an antagonist. Uh, bringing very snacks true. to uh, Darcy, bringing snacks to Jane and chemotherapy. That is absolutely something that John would have done. Providing a map to the best bathroom for pooping. I don't know if John would have thought of it, but there's a chance he could have. And if he thought of it, he definitely would have. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, bringing the Guardians, bringing Christmas to Peter. Uh, yeah, John would always try to make everybody feel as, as comfortable and, and joyous as, as he possibly could. So that totally makes sense. And, and that one, I mean, it was tough to decide between that one versus just the more specific gi- uh, gift exchange of the Guardians amongst each other, especially Nebula getting that arm for uh, for Rocket was pretty great and almost a nominee. But I, I knew when I saw it what the winner of, th- of this award would be this year, and, and it would be uh, Kamala's mother, Muniba, making her Miss Marvel costume for her. So not just making a costume to to run around and, and play in as, uh, you know, as maybe John would have experienced, but... Uh, the the real deal with uh, the costume with mom making a costume that Kamala goes out and wears as a an actual in the context of the MCU real life superhero. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. When I saw this, that's the first thing I went. What's where's the costume? Oh, there it is. That's number one. Like that, I just that it had to be that. I know without a shadow of a doubt that John would have picked that one. And if you and I both agree to that, Sean, then I'm pretty pretty confident without discussing that, uh, it. Yeah, without even discussing, I'm like, well, that's it. I'm like, that's it. That's what. There's no doubt. I know John too well to him to do that. And so, yeah, that was a. Uh, I love. I love this title. I love this. Uh, this category. This is great. I'm glad you put this in. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's the best category we've got, and it will continue on for as, that. as long as we do these MCU fan awards. Because politeness, kindness, these are just universal qualities that that are always good to uh, to embody and uh, mm-hmm. John did that better mm-hmm. than than anybody that we that we knew but we uh, we we do our best to uh, and often fail but we do our best to carry on in, in the spirit of uh, the kindness and, and politeness that he showed so the John Beerley politeness award uh, thank you to the folks at Ms Marvel and, and everybody who gave us these uh, incredibly sweet kind and, and very polite 
moments in the MCU. And there were others that, that could have been nominated, but uh, there was definitely only one winner that uh, that stood out this year, and I'm glad that we saw it. So that's it. We have handed out all of the action figures. Uh, we have done everything that we can to honor the MCU Woo. in 2022. And so I'll just wrap up by saying, you know, I know we we recently talked about the state of the MCU. It was even the title of a whole episode and a whole you know two-hour discussion about this. And we talked about how good we thought things had been, and, and not everything was amazing to everyone all the time. Uh, of course not. But I think that while I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that 2022 was as strong of a year as 2021, I think going back over these this list of nominees and, and these winners, I, I think it just shows that there was a lot of great stuff from the MCU in 2022. And even something like Quantumania starting off 2023, no, not everybody loves everything about that movie. And yeah, plenty of people just plain don't like it. But even people who don't like it have found great things within that movie. Certainly, we found a lot of great things within that movie. And so it just it, it just goes to show like whatever narrative is, you know, that people are trying that some may be trying real hard to to spin it as, you know, the MCU is is over or people are 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 abandoning the MCU. That's just not happening. I, I talk more about this on Fan Show Plus, so I don't want to get into all of it here because it's not really in the spirit of what we're doing right now. But just suffice to say that you know, that's not the audience's relationship with these things anyway, as an all or nothing. They they judge these things and, and go decide whether or not to see them and whether or not they like them on a case-by-case basis. That has been true of the MCU. That will continue to be true of the MCU. And that's something that I think Marvel Studios knows, which is why every time out, they have to do the best they can to tell the best story they can, regardless of the uh, of the format. And sometimes they, they find more success than than others. But there are generally way more success stories than not so successful stories in the MCU and within the stories of the MCU. And I I think 2022 is evidence of that, that uh, maybe we don't all agree on what we liked best about this year, but I think most of Mm -hmm. us can agree that there was a whole lot to like and love, even if we like and love different sets of things in the MCU, but certainly plenty of overlap as we saw throughout these lists. I mean, with, you know, the most of that coming by way of Black Panther Wakanda forever. But certainly, you know, it was the greatest thing in the MCU in 2022, but certainly not the only great thing, as we saw from many of our other winners with the MCU Fan Awards. So I think this is just a testament to a not the strongest year in the history of the MCU, but still pretty damn strong. I I 1000% agree to that. And I'm, I'm very happy what we've gotten. Don't love everything. Um, but I am, I am, I am giddy for the next, this next phase. So, um, give me Thunderbolts. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I am ready as well. So that is it for the MCU fan awards. Make sure you're checking out fan show plus, whether that's at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple podcast, search for fan show plus for the MCU fan show channel. So you can subscribe there. You can hear that latest episode with John talking about John Bernthal as the Punisher Everything that Disney CEO Bob Iger was saying about Disney and Marvel and the evolution of things right now and and breaking all of that down and and what it might mean for Marvel Studios moving forward. You can check that out and then also follow us on Twitter and Instagram in either place. We are at MCU Fan Show. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And if you have, thank you very much for doing that. Paul, where can they find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please go to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge, where we'll be uh, – this week we'll be uh, going over a comic book masterpiece uh, chosen by the Joe Carrillo. I believe I'm saying his last name incorrectly, though I don't I don't put, put much confidence in that either. Um, but uh, anyway, Joe is on comic YouTube shows all the time, like on, on Perch and things like that. And uh, he's written comics. He's a hilarious dude. Um, he picked out some Judge, uh, excuse me, some Judge Dread comics to read. But he considers a masterpiece, and whew, they're 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 interesting. I'll say that I, I can't wait to dive into it. But go check that out. That's going to be this week. Um, I also had a great conversation for the love of comics YouTube channel. That was great. Go check that out. We break down a lot, a lot of Marvel stuff on that as well. And uh, go. I would appreciate a sub if you've already subbed. Really appreciate it and the support. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.